when did uh when did strip when it, he wasn't in strip tease was he oh that's right yeah yeah, yeah. so but, but that was was that 98 90 like yes. right after right yes. it was part of the year yeah it was my senior year in high school so it was year 90 or 99 Man. whenever strip tease so bert was just like porn on porn and stripper movies at the end of my career all right let's go <laughs> hey yeah, because what, I mean, what did Burt Reynolds do in the 2000s? Oh, in the 2000s? I mean, he did The Longest Yard. That, that, uh, which actually was one of the better remakes I've seen. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, like, as far as remaking a classic sports movie, that's tough to do. But, like... I I, I really enjoy him in Cop and a Half. So. <laughs> if, we're, if we're being real here, yeah. More, more, more cowboy boots. More cowboy boots. <laughs> Afterwards, Nightmare. Seven-year-old with a bag. There you go. <laughs> you know, I loved it. Terrible. Can you imagine? Can you imagine telling the bandit, "Hey, uh, in 20 years, you're gonna make a cop movie with a seven-year-old <laughs> African American kid." <laughs> hey, I was gonna say black kid, but that just comes off even nowadays. A little <laughs> arch, right? I would disagree. <laughs> hey, Smokey. I, I still remember the uh, him at the bar, and he goes, "What's your name?" He goes, "Steve." He goes, "Give me a milk, Steve." <laughs> <laughs> and he looks around. It's a hey. And he goes. Underrated. And he goes. Come and on, and then he goes. So underrated. In a dirty glass. I thought that was pretty funny. Man, that for a child actor, that kid killed uh, it. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we should do a where Where are they now? There you go. There you go. But here we go on our tangents. We haven't I'm even recorded yet. We're talking about cop and oh, a half. For we've, I'm trying minutes. to get all this shit. Oh no, we've 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 been recording for a couple of minutes now, fellas. So. Uh, okay. All, all, all of right. that is on, and even even these camera changes are being recorded. So, just want to make sure I'm getting this properly. There we go. Let's get Malden back to speed here. Hopefully, we're not squarely on that again. This is episode three of of this brand new format, guys. So there's gonna be bugs, you know. But uh, but hey, I mean it's been it's been going pretty well. I'm learning everything. God damn it, Malden. Oh, here we yep. go. No, no, I got you. I got you. Malden just... I, he just grew yeah, he exponentially. Did. I can see and hear everything. <laughs> I haven't touched He my... tripled. He tripled oh, himself. Oh, no. His ego. That's what it happened. It, it's it's just his number so one... Number, number one listener status is his, 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 his square. It's just like, look, this is about me, boys. I don't know if y'all knew that. Yeah. <laughs> I would never... Oh, man, I appreciate that. No, uh, but uh, but yeah, um, this is, I mean, I talk about brand new. This is our brand new, you know, testing out having a guest on the show, you know, with the visual aspect. So uh, my, my man Scott's here. He put aside some time. We're going to be doing a lot of stuff, but I have an intro we got to get to, fellas. So um, let me get to that. Here we go, guys. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Spittin' the Real Shit, uh, the only weekly movie podcast made exclusively by, for, and about the online Facebook group, The Real Shit. And you are catching us on a very special day, because this is our 82nd episode ever. Sorry. Today, we are not only reviewing, not only discussing, not only analyzing, but also we are debating arguing even and the subject of the shit of t- ah 
And the subject of the show today is the business mogul slash restaurateur slash film and TV producer slash hip-hop artist, producer, and beat boy Mark Wahlberg. And we'll find out today if we can truly call him an actor. As we hash out the man's resume, in particular, Paul Thomas Anderson's 1997 glorious porno tragedy, Boogie Nights, and Adam McKay's 2010 buddy cop comedy, The Other Guys, along with a couple of games to commemorate the theme. My name is Charlie Thompson, founder, administrator, and bracket master of The Real Shit, and joining me, as always, is my co-host and fellow administrator, the midnight movie maniac himself, Rylan Johnson. What's going on, man? Man, you guys already know. I'm a star. I'm a big, 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 big star. I'm a big, bright, shining star. We're talking boogie nights, guys. Let's go. <laughs> it wouldn't be it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a show with Rylan. Also the other guys. Also the uh, also the other guys. Sorry, sorry, Scott, but this is going to be so, so uh, boogie nights is is one of my my, my absolute favorites. I'm super excited. And so. uh, and Mark, yeah, Mark's okay. And uh, and joining us. Uh, for the third time, joining the Three Timers Club is a social media grenade launcher and friend of the show, Scott Malden. Welcome back, sir. Been excited about your appearance all week, man. It's good to be back. Yes, this. sir. And uh, I'm very happy with the two movies that I chose. And uh, I think America will agree with man. me. And the 10,000 followers. <laughs> well, uh... It's it's one million now. You didn't. I mean, we're at a million, yeah. I mean, we we hit a hundred k like back in the springtime. I mean, come on, Noah. Yeah, I was, I was like, <laughs> but yeah, guys, that that is our purpose here tonight. Is we are talking about the man himself, Mark Wahlberg. Uh, back on our uh, season two finale, where Rylan joined me at my house, uh, we got off on a tangent and we started talking about the motherfucking hustle, about the hustle of being in Hollywood and how that's a factor. And I had mentioned, I had dropped the name Mark Wahlberg as being a hustler, uh, but also regarding him as not much of an actor. Um, and uh, Malden hit us up uh, after he heard the episode, and he said, I'll take you to task on this Mark Wahlberg not being an actor thing. And I said, bring it on. And Rylan was down. I'm not sure exactly which side Rylan is taking tonight, but I know that I'm taking the side that Mark Wahlberg is the luckiest son of a bitch in Hollywood. And Scott is claiming that, no, it was basically his acting talent that got him where he is. Um, <laughs> you, know, to, you know, to be the actor that he is. Um, but, uh, <laughs> or, or, or no, this is, I mean, you're on the show. I don't want to misquote you. Please let me know. Okay, so, so, so what, what first set me off is that when you compared Mark Wahlberg to Daniel Day-Lewis. And I'm like, that's like comparing Wilt Chamberlain to Steve Nash. Okay. Like, it, just, it doesn't make sense. Like, like Daniel Day-Lewis obviously is a phenomenal actor that does very <laughs> sparingly roles because he is very choosy. But you can't deny the fact that, like, Mark Wahlberg has done some very good things. And also, he's found his niche and now he just makes more money than you and I will ever smell in our entire lives. Like he, yeah. like, and he's he's coming up on thirty years of movies. Mm -hmm. So it's not like he was popular, like you know Corey Haim for like three years, and was like the it boy and disappeared. Like he, he showed up and did Fear, 
I mean, before that, we'll talk about that later. Right. But like, Fear was like his first, I guess, starring role, mm-hmm. and then now, 2022, like he's still making movies on a yearly basis that are still relevant. So you can't really hate on someone that's put out 30 years worth of movies. I like it. I like it. Um, oh, yeah. I, I'd like to find that there's a guy in the world that thinks Daniel Day Lewis isn't a good actor. There's there's one of them out there. I'd 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 love to talk to yeah. this guy. <laughs> so yeah, so 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 my biggest complaint for what you said because you guys started throwing out these words like tear and of course Ryland's favorite word chops and the, the mm, God, chops you gotta have the, the chops dude. You guys kept saying that made me just it really grinded my gears. Was when y'all kept, when you when you kept saying spark. Oh yeah. Like, I know what you mean and I get it, but I mean you're like it's acting. Like, yeah, it's it's charisma. It's it's he doesn't have chops and Anne Hathaway's got chops but no spark. I'm just like, I, I, oh I, my I, god. I, I have I have a feeling that that's that consists of your look, your 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 presence on film. Okay. Some guys are just a look. They can pull it off just by their face. You know, it's a spark. You show up on scene and, and, and oh, you got a certain look. You, you, some guys are so niche that it could be from a henchman to all the way up to the, the villains or whoever. But you have a spark, which means when you get on scene or, or you're an actor that shows up on scene, everybody kind of looks at you and goes, oh, wait, what, what's going on there? And that's like what and we you, may not, you may not be the best actor. You may not have the best roles, the best lines. But you have something that makes me go as a movie fan. Oh, I remember that guy. For it's like it goes all the way, like I said, from like Arnold Schwarzenegger henchmen, the bad guys, all the way up to like acting of of like Philip Seymour Hoffman in the background of of uh, you know these these guys that have a spark on scene and or just the way they look or their characters they they pick and choose. Okay, so hold so there's on. a balance. Hold on. Let me. So like the guy in Die Hard, that's one of the terrorists that grabs the Nestle Crunch bar. He has spark, yes. but no chops. Perfect example. His spark level is a hundred, and his chops are like <laughs> seven. Well, also, well, uh, also, because you know, he, he everybody's seen that guy. He's in everything. He He's a, if if Gibson in Lethal Weapon too. He is. He has the receding hairline mullet. And he's an Asian guy who can really kick some ass. Like he's got great chops. You know, he's, yeah, he's he, no, nah, he's just a great a uh, uh, physical uh, specimen, but. He doesn't say a lot. He doesn't have to because he's got the spark, mm. baby. But do you remember? Do you remember whenever he was in Lethal Weapon two and shocked Mel Gibson with the little things under the water? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And then gets then gets his neck broke by <laughs> the little Mel Gibson's knees. Oh, yeah. Great classic. Great classic scene. Death move. Rambo s. If Not you as will. Cool as pulling out someone's throat. I mean, there's there's only two people in the world that can do that. Uh. Dalton and who else? I and, hope uh, that, uh, I hope that MacGruber. remake is not happening with, oh, Col- yeah, with, with Colin McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> Some would say he's the master of the throat riff. Uh, I think I think Dalton just kind of dabbles. Yes. <laughs> he dabbles in the throat riff. Uh, MacGruber is pure gold. Well, well, Dalton had the chance to do the double. I mean, he could have got the bad guy at the end with the throat rip too. But remember, he let him. He, he, he eased off. Oh, he was he was about to rip that motherfucking throat in Road in Roadhouse. He was about to. He's like, you want some of this? I will rip guy, your but... motherfucking throat out. I, I say I say he should I say I say he does it, and it's a nine nine in my my. Guys, realm. we are getting off 
off topic here, guys. We uh, we had a, a format we were going to follow. Uh, first thing we were going to do is we were going to talk about the group for a little bit, guys. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, yeah, uh, with uh, with everything going on uh, in the group, we just finished the music biopic bracket. Uh, we're about to be starting the um, 70s horror bracket, which I am proud to say the preview will be on the 13th of September. And we will start voting on the 25th of September. And if my math is correct, the final match will end the night before Halloween. So we're going to run all the way up until Halloween. And so then when Halloween happens, y'all can have y'all's, you know, day with your families or however it is you celebrate your Halloween. Uh, So you ain't got to worry about the brackets because we have a new champion crown by then. Um, But uh, I I guess I haven't talked to you, Scott, uh, about the music biopic bracket. Uh, You had told me before the show that you had a couple of opinions. Uh, I didn't know if you wanted to get them on record. Yeah, sure. I mean, I I respect all the work that you put into putting out all these brackets, and there's some that I obviously have more strong opinions on based on what I've actually seen, and it's, it's hard for me to have a have an opinion on a movie that I haven't seen. And so a lot of times when I see the matchup, if I've seen one movie versus another movie, I'll vote for the movie that I've seen if I liked it. Yeah. But if I've if but if I haven't seen both movies. I don't think it's fair for you to. Oh yeah, absolutely. Dude, shout out, shout out, Jeff Klein. Shout out, Jeff Klein. He, he is. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I agree. I, there's been a couple of times I've taken just just authority over that and gone, know what? I've seen this so many times. I already know it's a better movie than this. But very few times do I do the same. If I miss a if I miss a, a vote, it's because I haven't seen one. And it's a really good matchup. Right. So, so respect for that. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's the way it should be done. But I don't. I'm not such a stickler like Klein, where there's like you know off with his head. Right. And so like you know, and so I know this is Final Tap won the bracket, and I admitted to you guys earlier that I have not seen that movie. So if anyone you know, I will take the time at some point to watch that I mean, movie. It's a bracket. It's a bracket winner, and you know it's got some clout. Of course it does. Something, but I've also- it's either going to be it's going to be either stupidly goofy, like our group can be sometimes, and you're like, meh, who's the better actual film? But most of the time, we get it right. Yeah, I mean, it's like whenever I saw that Wally won that one bracket, I was ah, just like, this is garbage. This is bullshit. That made that that made me so bad. I was I did, like, how the? F-? And, and that, then yeah. also, so I was off of social media for like over two months back in the spring. And I texted Rylan on the side, and I'm like, "Just tell me." I was like, <laughs> I, "I was like, who won the Nick Cage bracket?" And he goes, "You're not gonna like this." And I'm like, "Motherfucker!" Yeah, I was like, "You're not gonna like it." And I'm like, "He has, because I I do have the same love for Nick Cage that you guys have, but I think it's in different ways and different movies." And so whenever he told me that raising was a raising Arizona that won, yeah, which which I have seen that one time and it's good. I was probably too young when I watched it the first time. I probably should go back and revisit it. But I mean, if you're not, if you, if you don't think leaving Las Vegas is his best role, then you're just, you're out of your mind. Oh yeah. You know, um, I, 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 sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ron. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I just think, you know, it's a lot of people our age. And I think if, if Nick, if Nicholas Cage was not in raising Arizona, we would not have Nicolas Cage, period. I mean, I I think that it's just really jump-started his quirkiness, and it was a role that he was able to chew on and be himself 
and show his his range. Don't use it. Don't, don't so use I think this early. <laughs> his chops, his uh, his actual is. chops, because when it comes to chops, um, you know, Nick Cage is on the Mount Rushmore of chops. But anyways, um, no, I just think I, I get why it was was <laughs> was uh, it was a joke. I know uh, it was a joke. Um, but it, it, you know, if if you, if you understand uh, his career and, and and everything else, I think there's a lot of nostalgic people too in this group. We're we're into that age. We're sitting there going, ah, it was better back in the day, so I'm not too surprised. Sorry yeah, about so, the moving uh, you around, Scott, on the screen. I apologize. Is that he just keeps growing? I'm telling just you, can't stop growing. He's just like, trust me, I can't fit in this little bubble yes. you're putting. It's definitely in. not my. I, I feel for caged. The, I feel caged. For, uh, for those listening to the audio <laughs> portion only, uh, I apologize for all the technical notes. Uh, but yes, um, uh, Scott's webcam keeps changing in aspect ratio and i'm trying to catch it every single time I haven't no it's all good it's all it's it's got to be some bug or something. i don't know i don't know it, it, it's some technical jargon i don't even know i didn't mean to cut you guys up switch to my i can switch to my cell phone if that makes it easy no you're good uh usually the cell phone's kind of more problematic than the than the webcam so um um so back to the original question about the uh the uh, music biopic. Thing. Yes, I, you know, honestly, I was rooting for La Bamba the whole time. Dude, I love that. I love that movie. I think it's. I think it was just so well done, and that's what I was rooting for the entire time. After um, Walk Hard, Dewey Cox, and um, <laughs> all my favorites didn't make it. Well, actually, um, yeah. no, I was actually rooting. Great Balls of Fire, man. I'm, I'm a huge Great Balls of Fire fan. Yeah, I didn't even get out I the first round based on just who he was as a person. I know, I I know. It makes it hard. I know, but, like, but I thought I thought I, th- I thought the but it's a story. It's it, it, it's it's truth to the story, and I thought that you know it's as I saw it as a kid, thinking oh it's entertaining, not understanding the truth behind right. it. Now seeing it as an adult, you're like ah that's hard to root for that guy, yeah. you know. But no, but La Bamba though, man, talk about heartfelt and touching, and you know my Richie at the end, you know come on, it was great. It's, it's it was, so it was a great movie, but you know what whatever one deserves to win and that's that's where we are you know and it it's called we're we're a democratic group you know yeah. we're we, we're voter based so if you don't like it then vote better next time why don't you tri- champion your pick a little exactly. better next time this is social media folks you could send out fucking 35 posts a day about right. whatever the fuck you want it to win. <laughs> <laughs> no uh um I was actually surprised by La Bamba's uh, advancement. I mean, actually, La Bamba's the one that took out uh, Walk Hard. So, I mean, it was kind of it's kind of hard to, yeah. you know, hate on the thing. I mean, it took out Walk Hard, then it took out Amadeus. You know, I mean, it's taken out some serious heavy hitters. And it took out The Doors. And if you look back, at when you first posted the bracket, I made one comment on the post, and I said, Walk hard versus La Bamba. This isn't fair because those are my, those are like my top two in the whole bracket. I was like, this motherfucker, son of a bitch. Yeah, you got to make a decision. Yeah. yeah, it happens, man. It happens. I like that decision. It's usually on the toilet in the morning. I'm like, Ugh. I don't do that. It's uh, funny. Uh, <laughs> Which one do I choose? Yeah. Um. Hmm. But uh, but yeah, we have the '70s horror bracket coming right around the corner after the music biopic bracket, guys. It's my little Halloween celebration. Uh, like I said last week, uh, we did the calendar last year, 
It wasn't getting a whole lot of heat. Uh, the bracket is king in the real shit. Uh, so why not go ahead and exploit it as much as I can? Um, and so, yeah, 70s horror. Um, I know you had said earlier, Scott, about uh, The Shining and how uh, you're basically that's at your horse. But I, I regret to inform you that The Shining was released in 1980. 80. I knew it. Mm. I knew it. I, I, I knew it was on that. But it's so 70s, though. It's so Super 70s. Super 70s, though. Yeah. It's Kubrick. It's, 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 it's just. This is a perfect and I agree segue that with into that the too. 70s and early 80s. We can talk about Boogie Nights later. There you go. Anyways, there you go. Yeah. Goodbye, 1979. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, one more thing I wanted to um, just hit on was uh, last night I recorded our uh, live trivia. Uh, we had a few guests on. Uh, Andrew Boat was my sidekick this time around. Uh, but we had Andrew Edwards. We had Jamie Anderson and her husband Tony on. And we also had Whitney Blake Dean making an appearance and playing some trivia. I wanted to give all of them thanks uh, to give, for giving me your evening and, uh, and playing some trivia with us. Uh, the feedback that I got from them was so stellar. I can't wait to keep moving on this thing. Uh, hopefully, one of these days, I'll have you Hellcats on the trivia show, and uh, you can get some points. Um, I've made it, Scott, to where if you win a trivia show, you get a one-time universal bracket vote to use whenever you want. Wow. Except for the final match. So you could change the dynamic sure. of a bracket. Oh, with, with just. Well, just, uh, so wait, wait, wait. Elizabeth Explain this a little better. So you you have like a Trump no, it's like vote? a it's like a it's like an immunity idol almost, where you just have an extra vote, you know, to where say you're you're tracking, if, if you're tracking the votes, and you're like within one vote, or there's a tie, you can throw that vote in last minute and change the dynamic. Damn. We have a winner, to where it. But that takes away from my favorite thing ever is when we get to a tie. Which is I know. so rare. And Charlie has to do something. Literally. There's there but but I love the Charlie vote. My I'm like, Oh this is nobody paying attention. It's a Charlie odds of one we there's thirty two matchups a bracket and it's never a tie. <laughs> For real. How many tie I would love to count how many ties we've had versus how many, you know, bracket entries. I mean it's it's less than one percent, sir. Oh yeah, it's. I want to say I can count them on the on on one hand. It's such times. a rarity that if somebody trumps you and and put in their vote on that one that was a tie, I we'd have words. It, do you, so, so so you think it might it might sully the integrity of the bracket? No 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 no. Just it would take away from the aspect of when Charlie actually gets to vote because you never vote. Oh, I'm not worried about that, dude. I, I do so much. Like it's well, it's I know. fine. I haven't, I haven't touched that. I don't know what it's. <laughs> it's all good. It is all good. Uh, for the. Uh, I have no idea what's going on. Scott's just a just a giant flower, and he we can't put him in a small pot. I mean, he, he has to he's grow. a peacock. You gotta let him fly. Yeah. Um, there you go. There you go. I'm looking for more of those tonight. There you go. There you go. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, mad props to everybody that joined me. I'm always looking for people, guys. So uh, if you're listening to this and you're part of the real shit and you want to help me out make some TRS media, uh, I would be glad to talk to you and maybe get you on the show. Uh, it's it's always a fun time. I try to keep it lively as possible. Uh, and all those videos are going to be on YouTube, uh, on the page, and then uh, the podcast here is also going to be a YouTube uh, channel. Facebook, and then also uh, we're, we're keeping on the podcast feeds as well, guys. So we are expanding 
the real shit. Uh, I'm super excited about it, and I hope everybody's down for the ride, and because uh, I, I can't wait to see what happens next. But uh, but yeah, that's the group news, guys. Uh, let's get into talking about the man we came here to talk about, and that is Mark Wahlberg. And uh, we had a couple of uh, fun little segments we wanted to, to incorporate. I didn't know what you guys wanted to do first. Did you want to test your Mark Wahlberg knowledge, or did you want to reveal your first favorite and worst Mark Wahlberg? This is this is this is guest choice. So, Mr. Malden. Thank you, thank you, Ryland. So, I don't think we need to give long explanations. Let's just do first favorite and worst without long explanations and then we'll go into I'm down I'm down all right so so the the first thing that I ever sorry the first film that I ever remember seeing Mark Wahlberg in was uh Basketball Diaries um if you haven't seen Basketball Diaries I strongly recommend it uh DiCaprio and Wahlberg at a very dark sad depressing movie um, um, which will lead me to a story later on um, my favorite Wahlberg man it's so tough because like I don't know I mean I'm not going to say Boogie Nights even though that is my answer um, I'm going to go <laughs> I'm going to go either Fear or Ted wow. just because it Ted, I could watch any day, and it just it just makes me laugh, makes me have a good day. It's just solid, yeah. solid gold. Um, but then going to the worst Mark Wahlberg movie, and this, if you guys argue with this, I'm gonna tell you that you're wrong over and over again. It is M Night Shyamalan at his absolute most garbage like directing thing I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. The movie that I'm talking about is called The Happening. And it is yeah. absolutely a dreadful movie. Like, I didn't realize that it was supposed to be serious. So I'm sitting in the theater watching The Happening. I think it came out in, like, I don't know, like, oh, oh, wait. oh, six, oh, six, oh, seven. Oh, oh eight. around there. Yeah. 2000, 2008. Okay. If it was oh, eight, it was early because I have a stupid memory, like, like fucking Rain Man. Um, so if, if it might have been early 08. But anyways, you know, you're used to, like, Sixth Sense and Signs, and then you're like, oh, man, I got to go see this new M. Night Shyamalan movie. It's going to be great. And I thought this was his attempt at a comedy. So I'm sitting in the theater, and there was one scene, and I, man, this is when I wish you could just, like, cut to, <laughs> cut to like, a clip. But there's this one scene when, like, they, like, look out in the field, and this guy's, like, riding this tractor, and he just like he, he gets off his tractor real like discreetly and walks in front of his tractor and just lays down unless <laughs> the tractor just and I just I just start crying laughing. But no one around me. And this theater is like 150. It's it's packed. And everyone's <laughs> staring at me. And I was like, this is the I was like, this is the stupidest shit I've ever seen in my life. And everyone's like, no. And I'm like, this is serious. I'm like, no, it's not. This is stupid. And so the happening, hands down, worst Wahlberg movie by far. I can't. I'll be I, I, I can't. I can't complain about your entire list. So, yeah. Well, did you want to go next, Brandon? We're gonna we're gonna rapid fire. Um, 
I mean, my, I don't know what's happening. My, Dude, my first. It's all good. My first uh, was Fear. Um, I know he did uh, Basketball Diaries in '95. Okay. He did Renaissance Man in '94, but just off my radar. Uh, but first. this was a '96. I'm in sixth, seventh grade. No, this is a young Reese Witherspoon. It was a teeny movie. It was aimed towards kind of. It was his role in this is so much darker, but a lot of teens watch this movie because a young Marky Mark's in it, a young Reese Witherspoon's in this, but good Lord, what a dark tone movie it was. And it showed his true acting ability because he's, he's really good in this for him coming out the gates from being Marky Mark and the fucking funky bunch. And he's done nothing but kind of high end dramas, but this was his like lead prominent role, knocked it out of the park. Um, my favorite, yeah, though, like I, carving I, in his chest, Nicole forever. Uh, I mean, I, the, the pounding of the chest scene, you know, that's Cape, that's that's Cape Fear stuff. That's that's Robert De Niro stuff. Come on, baby. Uh, and then and then when he said, now I took both your cherries uh, when he beats his dad's car to shit. Yeah. I mean, the note, it didn't say it. It was a note. Right. You you read the note. Oh, man. Yes. And even um, the, there was some super sexual stuff in that, too, from the girl from uh. uh What's her name? Um, it's Alyssa Milano, bro. Alyssa Milano. Come on, how do you not uh, know who Alyssa Milano yeah. is? Have you not seen Poison Ivy too? I, I didn't write her name down. If I'm, you know how I am with names. Um, how, about who's, how about who's the boss? I was gonna say I was gonna say who's the boss, but eh, she was a child actor, and that I don't Hello. like to. Because this was this was this was a pretty intense movie. I, I saw this as a like 12, 13 year old. This was my first introduction. And then to you want to take a girl on a roller coaster. Yeah, I was like, "Wow, this is what it's about." Um, but my favorite, my favorite's <laughs> got to be Boogie Nights. But I have, I have some honorable mentions. Like, I really love Three Kings. I mean, uh, you know, we Three Kings be stealing the gold. Um, I, honorable mention as as it's like kind of almost a tie, <laughs> but but this is this is Boogie Nights is is Wahlberg's little goose egg, his little baby. And you know they just they just killed it. I, I it just it's cemented after fear to me. Followed up by by uh, Boogie. He came out of the gate so hot. But this is the thing I'll get into later when we talk about him. Is his career to me was like the ro- fucking roller coaster in fear. It's like this, and then it fucking just. You know, he's just he's just a good looking guy. You can do a fucking Italian job remake in a, you know, a Ted movie and just get by. But man, his first few roles were fucking awesome. And it, but he's his I don't think he has to he doesn't have to do that anymore. He had to prove himself early in his career. Do you, he had to get away you, from that he had that Marky Mark bullshit and all that. So he did these heavy hitters. Now it's eh, to me. So, but I'll finish with the worst. The worst, Scott. We'll talk. Don't worry. We got to talk so much about Mark. The worst is the happening. I'm just going to call it 2008, because in 2008, Mark Wahlberg did The Happening and Max Payne. <laughs> so that was a bad year for the Wahlberg family. Well, not really, but they're always doing great. But uh, you know, that's it. it. Happening was by far his worst film of all time. He followed that with Max Payne, and I'm sure his his agent was like, "Come back, you know, you just got off The Departed, bro. You're you're an Oscar nominated actor now." Um, stop taking the paychecks. Uh, let, let's 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 reel this in. What about you, Charles? Man, okay. So, um, starting off first, first Mark Wahlberg I ever saw was uh, the Danny DeVito film Renaissance Man, 
where he played a little bit part as a student in the class. Um, Scott, I've just I've just decided I'm not going to even fuck with it anymore. I'm just going to let it change the shape. You know, that's just the way it's the way it's going to go down. Because um, it's it's it's. But 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 you also have. You, you have a love affair for Gregory Hines, as we know, and you used to have a, um, was it a, was, was it, a, was it a VHS or a poster you had, Gregory Hines? Gregory Hines. Remember you talk, talked about that in the previous episode? Yeah, he, he, you had the poster of him in like that movie. You talked about it, and you're the lead guy in Renaissance Man. Uh, he, yeah, he was the drill sergeant in Renaissance Man. the same guy that you talked about. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, but in but in the movie that you talked about that you loved, where he was like throwing out his records from his yeah. company on the streets, and you cried. That wasn't him. Gregory Hines. It was the craziest movie that you've ever cried. That was Robert Townsend. I'm oh, telling you, I'm well, telling you. Got him. <laughs> Caught him live. Yeah, that's Robert Townsend, like, Meteor Man. Hey, please, Absolutely. Please, please cut that. Please cut that. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but I, I tell you the truth, I don't really know a whole lot of. Gregory Hines' roles outside of uh, Renaissance Man. I thought he was really good in it. Uh, I thought Mark Wahlberg, for his for his role in the movie, I thought he was very serviceable. Again, very young Mark Wahlberg. He didn't have a whole lot to do. He sat there. He talked some shit, you know, just like everybody else in the class did. And he had his redemption arc just like everybody else in the class. Um, and so that just happened to be the first time I saw Mark Wahlberg. Uh, but I got to say, uh, my favorite Mark Wahlberg... It's got to be the fighter, you know? I mean, it's it's like it's his, you know? It was his idea. It was his project. It was his money. It was his risk. You know, it was his acting. It was his choices for the filmmaker, which I think that uh, him and David O. Russell coming together, say what you want about David O. Russell right now, but in the past, I mean, he was lauded, and, and he still is. He's a fantastic filmmaker. Um but uh, I think I think him linking up with him on Three Kings and I Heart Huckabees, uh, and then and then the later projects, uh, including The Fighter. I mean, it's it's just magic with those two, you know. Um, I think The Fighter had some great ideas in it. You can't discount Christian Bale's performance, and I think that uh, Mark Wahlberg tries his best. In my opinion, he plays the Boston down on his luck guy. I mean, if I mean you you why did you cast Jamie Foxx and Ray? Because you can do a really good Ray impression. Why do you cast Mark Wahlberg as a Boston boxer? Because he can probably do that the best, you know? Um, he did do that. He, he, Why do you cast Joe Pesci as being the Italian asshole? Exactly. You know, and, and you know, and for all those... Yeah, people are cast for roles. For all those efforts, you know? I mean, they all get, they all get lauded. They all get awarded. They all get consideration, you know? And that's the same thing that Mark Wahlberg did. And it was it was it was a risk that really paid off for him, and it helped him go into business for himself, you know. Uh, to, to that's where the money started really coming in for Mark Wahlberg, was when he realized that stepping behind the camera and making that kind of money, you know, like 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 you want to be the guy that writes the actor's paychecks, not just the actor receiving the paycheck, you know. And um, and so then he went on to to put his family on a TV show, went on to you know get great success with uh, with the Entourage in the past, you know. Um, and so I think all aspects, including the acting, is really good for the fighter. But even his ugly brother has a burger joint. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the third Wahlberg. Yeah. Um, I want to be the ugly brother in a famous, like, 
family line of actors. I'd I love think according to, to your like... brothers, you are the ugly brother. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But they're not actors. They're not famous, and they don't, you know, they're not new kids on the block. Plus, you know, fucking, uh, you know, a, a shitty Transformers film. I've met Taylor before, and he is better looking than you are. Two oh. shitty Transformers films. How long ago was that, Scott? Years. <laughs> Amazing like a fine wine, sir. Okay, maybe Taylor just doesn't look so good anymore. <laughs> but uh, but getting to my worst, um, I mean, I guess you could chalk it up to just Mark Wahlberg deciding to tell his agent, hey, I want to be in that movie, and then him just getting in the movie, you know, and, and just, hey, hey I, that, that looks like a good one. Put me in it. And then it just happens. You know, uh, a couple examples of this, like Ryan said, Max Payne. Uh, I thought uh, I thought he was very, you know, interchangeable in the other guys, which we'll talk about later. I thought that, uh, you know, I thought that in I, th- I thought that any guy with a Boston accent could could have been the guy from Ted, you know. Uh, but but my my worst, hands down. I mean, it's got to be invincible. Like, I thought that it was, it, it, I've never met the guy from Invincible, you know, so I don't know how closely he played it. Yeah. But I know that Mark Wahlberg really played himself in that character as the guy who is going to <laughs> achieve, you know, and, 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 and that's just another Mark Wahlberg trope is that Mark Wahlberg always wins, you know, and, uh, and it's just, it, and as a matter of fact, he, he, he took that true story and was like, you know what? I want to do that. I want to. I want to be the the you know the rugged guy that just ends up being a football player. You know, I I thought it was just very cut and dry, and uh, I I've only watched it once. I'll never watch it again, probably. Um, but yeah, that's probably my my, my least favorite. Same. That's 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 I guess I guess it's a least favorite. Um, I guess I'm I'm getting off topic. Mediocre film. It's a it's a Disney it's a Disney live action. Yeah, did right? Disney produced the film? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that's why that's why they didn't fuck with Mark ever again after that because it was just it was, <laughs> cut ties with Mark Wahlberg. Um, but yeah, so, I, so so how often do you think that once actors have kids, it changes what roles they'll take? Oh, every single oh, time. A lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that what I'd I'll, say I hate to say that that females obviously for certain reasons because they're bearing children, but males too. You see that a lot with with. You know, guys that have that, that have started the family and, and have established themselves, and and they change. I've seen that many times. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Mark Wahlberg's gonna play a play a role like Fear or Boogie Nights once he starts having kids. Well, right. But why do? But why should I? Exactly. But why, as exactly. an audience goer, should I give two fucks about that? You shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You it, shouldn't. But but, but you're. They're in that mindset. Making... First of all, it, it it takes young people to make those those roles oh. work. So usually, you know, Mark Mark, how old was Walmart like, but like like, like, do I constantly have to grade on a curve for Mark Wahlberg? Like, well, I mean, come on, I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah, the guy yeah, was the guy was going through some shit. Like, I don't care. It was a shit movie. Like, I paid money to see a fucking movie where a guy gave me entertainment, and it didn't fucking happen. Like, sorry, Mark. You want to give me another fucking sob story? And he gets paid. <clears throat> that guy gets right. paid. I think for what his his resume is, gets paid top fucking notch without the accolades. 
because he he because he's a money guy. He's a box office uh, office guy. I mean, he's similar to a Keanu Reeves to me. He, he doesn't have a lot of accolades. I don't think he's you know um, high touted as a of you know he's not going to go on Broadway and shit. But he's he makes money. He's a good actor for what he does. <laughs> again, again, we're grading on a fucking curve. He's a good actor for what he does. Like, which is what? Play a Boston guy? Like, I mean, I mean, Most I guess if I was from Boston. That's your whole basis of everything also. That's in, everything in the, you say. In the last. That's everything, the that's last everything he puts out. That's everything he puts out. Every actor or actress puts out. <laughs> <laughs> you want everyone. We know this now. No, for real, for real. So you want someone that every single role that they do is completely different. You I would I, mean, I, is I would want them to challenge themselves. Of course. Okay, sure. I mean, we're going to keep arguing about Mark Wahlberg, so. Uh, no, I mean, no, I, I completely understand everything you're saying. Yeah. I think it's 100% justified comments that I agree with. I'm not saying I'm grading on a curve. Right. I'm saying that sometimes I feel like maybe you get a little too on the technical side of acting right and can't just appreciate someone for who they are and what they do it's like do i think drew barrymore is a good actress no i think she might be one of the worst actresses of of all time but she found like a niche that she could do and she just i think she played herself in every role she's ever done in her entire life minus mad love which was a solid role but i mean like for the most part a lot of these people kind of essentially play themselves to some extent right yes you're gonna find exceptions exceptions to everybody but right. um yeah i mean I, I like rylan's brought up um christian bale as being like that dude challenged himself probably to his own detriment at some point like that guy obviously is a little <laughs> intense oh absolutely um but i think but, but i think at some point a lot of actors and actresses kind of find their maybe safe space or their place where they know where they will succeed and be good at and occasionally they'll you know you know like you see what sandler did the last five years and he tries to put out these more serious roles and they're i think they're awesome yeah but but then he can put out grown-ups you know number number seven and make three million dollars and he's like i'll just go hang out with my friends in hawaii for a couple months and i'll make some money and then i'll go do uncut gems and try right so i mean i do think it's good when people try to challenge absolutely what you're saying no no uh, and and again my arguments are based on the is he a good actor portion of the argument um and you know i just don't think he's a good actor you know i just I, i think he's i think that he was able to to manipulate these niches, especially in the early days. I mean, like early '90s, what just popped off? Vanilla Ice just popped off. All right, so Mark Wahlberg's sitting there in Boston. He's going, you know, I can dance. You know, I, I, I think I can rap. You know, let's let, let's try this thing. You know, and so he tried it. He's a good-looking cat. He made some waves. He he got his shot. All right, and 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 that and that paid dividends in the opportunity department. All right. And so then once he got his foot in the door, yeah, he was hustling his motherfucking ass off. 
you know, getting these bit parts like Renaissance Man and Basketball Diaries, you know, all, all these other parts and fear and, and, and stuff like that, you know. But then it, it, he wasn't angsty anymore. You know, he was he was becoming a different person, like you said, you know. And then around the mid 2000s, what, what happened? Uh, let's see. A, a little Clint Eastwood movie called Mystic River came out. And it's about this dirty, seedy story set in Boston with all these crazy Boston characters. Which, by the way, none of them are played by Mark Wahlberg. And none of them are from Boston. And they all make it look like they're from Boston. Uh, Again, just a pedigree of good acting, by the way. Uh, Kevin Bacon, Sean Penn, Tim Robbins. Two of those cats won Oscars for their performance as a rugged Boston cat. Mark Wahlberg hasn't done that. But you know what Mark Wahlberg did do? He saw that movie and he was like, hey, I'm from Boston. They're making rugged Boston movies now? I'm going to get in on this motherfucker. And so, yeah, he was an opportunist. And he took and, and he tried to seize the opportunity and he did it. You know, and it and it paid and it and it got another ten years of life out of his career. So mad respect to Mark Wahlberg. I agree. I you you can't knock the motherfucking hustle. But for him to say that he is challenging himself as an actor, no, he's not. He's also a producer of the film. He has a financial stake in in these movies that he's making in this day and age. So, I mean, you want to talk about getting muddled? That part gets muddled. You know, not just being a father, not just doing this, not just doing that. It's it's him being able to say, oh, if I do this differently or that differently, I could possibly make several million more dollars. You know, as a businessman, wouldn't you go with that? You know, I mean, it's 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 undermining the acting to make sure the paychecks are secure, which, again, mad respect. He's he's putting food on the table for thousands of people in that crew. You know, he's he's hiring these people, cameramen, key grips. I, I, I think he I think he needs another really artistic hit, like another Scorsese Departed or a P.T. Anderson Boogie Nights kind of role to cement to me is. But he's an Oscar nominated actor. He just his the choosing of his roles in the early days versus what he's getting now is it's black and white to me. And. and, and I think him in fear and then boogie then you you know maybe 10 years later he's still doing departed but that's 15 years ago and since then not impressed at all I don't, there's nothing that mark Wahlberg's did in the, the last 15 years that i'm like oh fuck, like, damn i gotta go see that i mean he's he's actually back on his shit that. he's back you guys are you know you guys are completely like not understanding the argument please like i'm not saying there's like some like oh my god there's this great dramatic role that mark Wahlberg's gonna be in tomorrow that i have to go see for like i'm just saying that he's been in a shit ton of movies that we've all seen and i do love the comparison that, <laughs> that charlie made i guess a couple episodes back whenever you were like <laughs> And your Wahlberg impersonation was pretty, was actually very good. Like when they're like, they're like, this is good. I think it's great. Oh, it's great. And, and, and they're like telling the story, and then they like do a pan out, and you see Wahlberg's face. <laughs> like son of a bitch. And then you did, then you did your Wahlberg, and I was like, damn it. Mark, I was like, that's pretty. Fucking funny. Mark Wahlberg's but, in this movie. But like even okay, Netflix the other night. Like there's a new movie out with him and Kevin Hart. Right. And I knew this is this is not going to be a piece of oh. cinematic 
like it's not going to be brilliant anything but can i put this on at 1 a.m and watch it for two hours and be entertained and probably laugh a couple times yeah for sure uh, I, saw, I saw the trailer and he's like the party guy he's the party friend of of kevin hart that never got married or whatever but mark Wahlberg just turned 51 and he's trying to I, I think so in this what? role it, but i mean he's trying to play this like this should have been a, a, a like a like a a tatum role you know not a not a mark 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 Wahlberg's 51 years old now why is he doing netflix movies with kevin hart about being a party animal friend or whatever exactly the fuck the show, like, the scott exactly the money I, he's losing he's losing his integrity his credibility his credibility and his integrity like come on like fear boogie nights departed now he's doing netflix oh with kevin God. hart and i'm like kevin hart's never gonna Never gonna be an Oscar-nominated fucking actor, and here's The Rock. Don't do films with yeah. him. Yeah, you're you're Mark Wahlberg. You don't have to do that. <laughs> like, what the hell's going on? I mean, Pain and Gain was God, was man. good because it was it was directed well. No, Pain and but Gain was hilarious. It was awesome. But do those roles, but stop there. Stop at Pain and Gain. Don't go to this whatever the fuck this new one's called with Netflix with Kevin Hart. There's that gap, and that's not a long gap to me. He did that stupid fucking sure uh, 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 Transformers shit. And I'm like, yeah, take the paycheck. I know you got eight brothers and sisters or whatever the fuck. But, man, like, it's getting to That's a perfect. point where I'm like, now I'm watching Boogie Nights going, God, he's, he was so good. He was so good in the 90s. And he did a little well in the early 2000s, but now he sucks. Yeah. yeah. That's, can, my, that's my opinion. You can say that about so many about so exactly people, it, but that's the sad thing is it, you know I, I watched a really good little blurb on Matt Damon of all people saying <laughs> you, you can't make these boogie nights for they made boogie nights in 1997 right. 15 million dollars that cast is to me arguably top five cast of all time I put that question you, out there you cannot do these movies anymore it's not possible it's just not going to be a thing. You can't get a P.T. Anderson to make a fucking awesome, beautifully shot movie for $15 million. I know with, with inflation, let's call it 30. It's just, you can't do that. It's not going to make money. It's not, it's not what people want, blah, blah, blah. But that's what makes me sad. That's why I'm getting back into my life. I'm diving. <laughs> I'm going from film bro to like film critic because the movies they make nowadays are just awful. Like, and, and that's a prime example. The no, uh, um, like talk about some talk about somebody who who has spanned decades and has become more artistic at the end of it than at the beginning. I mean, that's Paul Thomas Anderson. I mean, the guy makes yeah. incredibly beautiful films nowadays. I mean, so much texture, so much depth, so much storytelling, you know, to where when you saw Boogie Nights, you were like, whoever made this film is going to be a fucking star like. Like, they are fucking incredible, you know? And then every subsequent film that he's put out has been a challenge to him to achieve, you know, to try and, and get that allegory and say something while saying something else. You know, uh, all these all these things to challenge yourself as an artist. And I can see it from a mile away. Mark Wahlberg is not doing that. He's just making his yacht payments. That's all he's doing, you know? Uh, like, like uh, what was it? Like, uh, like the other guys, like we're going to talk tonight, you know? Think about a Mark Wahlberg comedy. 
that doesn't have him literally 50-50 credit with an established veteran comedian. Yeah, yeah. Chad. You mean Seth MacFarlane? He's not. <laughs> oh, that was a teddy bear. That's right. The uh, the accredited teddy bear. That's uh, that's 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 right. No, it was Seth MacFarlane. It was Seth MacFarlane's. You know, it was his brainchild. You know, and this, it was set in Boston. I mean, Family Guy set in Boston, and then they're thinking, who's a good Boston guy? I mean, I thought Sean Penn was pretty good in Mystic River. No, fuck that. We're getting Mark Wahlberg. He's way more Boston. Uh, and then you. Know, well, but I, I Sean, think Sean. Do you guys want to talk? Uh, do you guys want to talk like, Boogie this, first, this, this, or do you, you want to talk other guys? guys? <laughs> Let's talk Boogie first, or other guys. No, Which one do we talk first? All righty, all Trivia is on deck. And after trivia, we're gonna do a, a, a re-drink five okay. minutes. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. My water's empty. All righty. <clears throat> so, uh, am I am I gonna be uh, ding and you dong? <laughs> Let's see. Sure. We can, we can just dong. Whatever Charlie sees first, the hand rise. All right. So, hold on. For some reason, I had it, and now I don't have it. Okay, here we go. All righty. Y'all ready for some Mark Wahlberg trivia? Let's fucking let's roll, let's baby. do it. All right. Question number one. Uh, Maybe. Uh, uh, this is a multiple choice question. Either you can answer or you can wait for the choices. Your choice, guys. In which year was Mark born? Boom. Rylan. 71. Let's see. 1971. 1971. We're, we're locking that in. Yeah, man. I did my research. Uh, what, what name did Mark use at the beginning of his career? I mean, is it like his music career or, or movie? Uh, the career? question says at the beginning of his career. Marky Mark. Marcus. Marky Mark. All right, let's lock, let's lock, let's lock that oh, in. Oh, come on. That's not a All righty. question. Mark. That's so stupid. All righty. Mark was the lead of the Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch music band. What was their best known song, which was number one on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1992? <laughs> Good vibrations. Let's lock it in. <clears throat> For which fashion brand Mark was modeling in underwear? Boom. Dong. Yes. Calvin Klein. Oh, it was Calvin Klein. You're right. All righty. Damn it. CK okay. underwear. Lock it in. Damn it. Uh, which character did Mark play in the famous movie Boogie Nights? Ding. Oh man, are we are we doing dings or are we just are we just sh shouting out the answers? I mean, I said I, I said ding, so I mean, <laughs> we all know that we know the answer, and I said ding, so you lose, Scott. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and it's one of those where you have to put in the answer, and we'll get the, we'll get the the score later on. Uh, for his role in The Departed, Mark was nominated on for an Academy Award. Who was the director of that movie? True. I heard ding. Scott first. Oh no! I said true, but that was uh, Scorsese. Scorsese. That was Scorsese. 
screw. These are these are like <laughs> hey, these are it's an online quiz, you know. I mean, we're not all Mark Wahlberg experts. Um, in which movie based on a video game did Mark Wahlberg play the lead role? Ding. Uh, ding. Uh, that, that was Max Payne. <laughs> <Transformers. laughs> Say video game or video game. Video game. It's Max Payne. Oh baby. yeah, you're right. It's Max Payne. I'm wrong. I played one yeah, and I'm two. I played Max Payne one and two all the way through. It was one of the most challenging video games I've ever played in my life. Oh, I, I remember. Oh, I remember people kept making uh, similarities to the Matrix. Like they'd be like, "Hey, have you have you seen the Matrix? Then you're gonna love this game because it had like the bullet time on it." Yeah. Bullet time, great. The first game was phenomenal, but yeah, man, those were those were the good old days of like the late '90s, man. <laughs> PlayStation One. Uh, uh, one, one, another question. Uh, Mark married this American fashion model in 2009. Want to hear the choices? Yeah. Oh, I forgot it's multiple uh, choice. A. Christy Tarlington. B. Rhea Durham. C. Cindy Crawford. Or D. Tatiana Patitz. Dong. I, I Tatiana. Heard, I heard Scott. I'm going, no, I'm going. No, it's B. It's Rhea B. Durham. B. All right. Let's lock it in. I'm I'm, I'm yeah. saying I'm saying D Tatiana. Can I steal it? You can. can yeah, I'll, I'll 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 put it on the uh, on the. If, if you get it wrong, I'll let you know. I thought it was an Hispanic or or a Latin style name. I think that's maybe not. No, that doesn't sound. But anyways, I'm going with D. Let's see. All righty. Um, okay, Rockstar cast Mark Wahlberg as an ordinary guy who gets a chance to front what metal band? Dong. Oh, shit. Dong, I heard. Scott. Steel Dragon. Steel. Uh, <laughs> Steel Dragon. All righty. And, and I put that I put that on like one of my like not like that was his not awful films. But I hadn't seen it in so long. Wasn't that? um? So good. Jennifer Aniston. It, it, Jennifer Aniston. I was like, it, it's a good little music pick. It's, it's not a biopic, but it's a great little music pick, man. It's a great movie. Great movie. Alrighty. But he's just playing typical boss. He is. He is. I mean, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 I revealed on the 50th episode that uh, a rock star uh, was one of my favorite rock, uh, Mark Wahlberg films. Um, but getting to the quiz. Yeah, it's it's very entertaining. Oh man, it, it, yeah. Jennifer Aniston's in there looking hot as hell. Probably the hottest I've ever seen Jennifer Aniston look in a movie, to be honest. Um, she's priming. Oh she's yeah, priming, yeah. Uh, 2001. I mean, come on, she was white hot. Um, what about what about in horrible bosses? Come on. Oh, she was. Yeah, she had that uh, that, that dominatrix kind of she thing was, going yeah. on. She was the oh yeah. She's she's like pushing fifty then though. In 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 Rockstar, she's there's nothing. Just there's high. nothing wrong with that, Ryan. Wrong with that. Mm. No, not at all. If you're Jennifer Aniston, but. Not a, not a lot of those walking around the world. <clears throat> you ready for the next question, guys? <laughs> In which 2001 movie did Mark Wahlberg play the character Captain Leo Davidson? Oh, 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 uh, 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 man. Uh, I heard Rylan first. 
Planet of the Apes. <laughs> that is correct, Planet of the Apes. I was like, I was like, Captain. First of all, I thought about a ship movie, and I was like, that ain't right. Yeah, you're thinking about you're thinking about the Perfect Storm. From the, from those guys yeah. from from Gloucester. Uh, in which, oh wait, Scott, talk for. Can't hear me at all. There we go. I hear you now. Oh, well, then you didn't hear me dong way before him earlier. I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> it is an online format. Uh, sometimes these bugs happen. I apologize. Well, I did. I did. I just what say, the do the hand. Oh, the answer was Planet of the Apes. It was the Departed. Oh, wow. Yeah, 2001. Yeah, Departed was in 2005. Um, Six. 2006. It was 2006. I was reading the 2005, you know, the next year's movies. I was reading that art, that edition of Rolling Stone whenever I saw that departed. My apologies. Uh, in 2001, uh, he did a movie, and he played the character of Chris Cole. What movie was that? You want to... Dong? Oh, go ahead, Scott. I don't know. Is it... Um... Four brothers. That is not one of the options. Would you like to hear the options? Yes. Uh, Independence Day, Hearts War, Panic Room, or Rockstar? Oh, Rockstar. Rockstar. Okay, obviously. let's try. Chris Cole. Rockstar. Yeah. That, that that's no, it's one hundred percent. That's it. Yeah. He he was. He, this is one of those like this yeah. is one of those like fucking <clears throat> Facebook hey. quizzes that are hey, awful. you know. <laughs> I, I I couldn't curate the quizzes. I was I was uh. No, I'm, I'm just. I'm, I know, I know. I'm just. But the 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 the, the uh, multiple choice. Oh, it was very mediocre. Off. Well, I love it. <laughs> In which 2000 movie did Mark Wahlberg play the character Bobby Shatford? And this is going to be another one that's really easy if I give you the options. Wait, say the name again. Uh, I'm just going to say. I'm gonna. I'm just going to guess because. I don't know the character, but 2000. I think, I think it was Perfect Storm. Was 2000? That is correct. Perfect Storm. I, I, I think. Per- Bobby and Bobby, you didn't come back from sea. Alrighty, <laughs> this is this fucking thing is so stupid. Here's the next question. Y'all ready? Who was Bobby Mercer and Four Brothers? <laughs> Would you, would you would you like to hear? Uh-huh. We're doing it. We're doing a Marky Mark quiz here. I'm sure it was. Would Marky you like to hear Mark. the options? It's uh, Mark Wahlberg. Um, is, is it, is, uh, is is it Chad Michael Murray, Ben Stiller, or John Travolta? This is real. This is real. Johnny T sucks. Oh, yeah, one of the guys that you think is elite. Uh, because he is. Uh, I mean, what? Wait, was? Oh man, I mean, was he? He was. Ev- he was elite at one time. This f- yes. This fool is still. That's- where was this time, and where did oh, I miss man. it? That's your argument. Oh, it was after. It was after Saturday Night Fever before all of us were born. Oh man. He, he- oh, and you said Broken Arrow made him like elite, and I'm like, oh my, face off! Come <laughs> this on, guy. Dude. Those aren't, those aren't elite films. <laughs> Those are action movies that he just played freaking himself in. <laughs> so you're basically contradicting your own argument. John Travolta can't act. He likes shit. Michael too. Oh, of course he, he likes does. Michael he, too. Of course he does. 
and it's so funny. baby he, he really showed his chops in that right man this uh y'all yeah oh wait, wait, wait. you mean look at you mean look who's talking hey oh yeah okay. gotcha. god i just messed that one up <laughs> you were going in you were going in yeah. look who's talking look who's talking and part two travolta showed he his played chops a in that actually he played a believable shitty pilot because that's what he is in real life <laughs> <laughs> and that reaffirms the Mark Wahlberg argument on your side, sir. No, it reaffirms why I brought this argument up is because you were arguing with Ryland and saying, oh, Travolta is like tier one, he's elite, and Ryland argued with you. <laughs> and I'm basically saying that if you're going to say that Wahlberg is that and Travolta is elite, you're comp- but like, what's Travolta done in the last... 15 years. First of all, Scott, I need you (laughs) to define the word elite for me. And so I think that is going to be where we will come to an agreement on. Okay. Because, because I think that you are talking strictly acting and I'm talking about longevity realization of who you are as an actor being able to adapt and change to the times do i think that john travolta was ever considered like the best actor of all time or even top five of his generation never do i think mark Wahlberg was ever considered the best actor no but i'm talking about being aware and being conscious of like who you are as an actor and Travolta, you know, yes. Did he have some roles in like the early nineties that kept him afloat for a while? Sure he did. But to like say in 2022, John Travolta is elite. I'm like, come on, man. Like that guy hasn't done anything in 15 years. Like Mark Wahlberg's still cashing $2 million paychecks last week. Uh, I believe if you uh, run past a red box, you will find that John Travolta has been steady working. Uh, so That's he, a great argument. he and, is and, getting booked. And, no, and, and, and people will argue that. People will argue longevity. He, you want to talk about, you want to talk about finding that, like a niche. You said earlier, just adapt, adaptation and finding your niche, but also making money as an actor. Is Fellow actors will go, you know, the ones that get roles are the most successful. Just because you're not winning, you know, just because you're not Meryl Streep, or, or you know, or Jack, or or, or you know, fucking De Niro and, and DiCaprio, you are in the elite little bracket of making fucking money and making movies and making a lot of people money. Yeah. So there's a lot of actors that are in the business that'll go, fuck yeah, he's elite. This motherfucker's made a. He's been in the damn movie theater since you were children. And he's still in the fucking movie theaters. So if you're coming from that profession versus us as viewers, oh my God, they're they're top 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 tier. So I think this, now, so I think as as a viewer alone. and as somebody that's seen them all and said, hey, you know what? No, I don't think I could put John Travolta in the same even league as the De Niro's and the DiCaprio's and the you know you know the go down the list that Christian Bale's and just just so much the, the list is long. Yeah, but so I think there's to me there's tears, but it's still he's been on top for a long time, and he's still going. So so I think kudos that, that I think 
that Charlie and I need You're to good. stop arguing because we're never going to like come to the same agreement. So I think <laughs> well, right. I think we need to it's respect fun. each other's it's opinion and understand that Charlie is is talking more about acting prowess. I'm talking more about relevancy and making money and still being like considered 2022 to 1992 or whatever what year you want to throw out there. For sure. Like, I mean, think about all the people that, that like, that like spike and go away as fast as they come up and like, think about the people that have to reinvent themselves. And I know. The, and these are leading men guys. We're talking about leading men in Hollywood. But this I mean, is not an easy I mean, thing to hold on to for four, 40 fucking years. It's crazy that some of these guys, the Cruises and the Travoltas and the and the Wahlbergs can be these like youngish looking guys that are in action movies and comedies and it's cool to look at. And, and yes, I think they're the best of the best, but you can sit there and nitpick on who's a true actor versus who's just a Mark Wahlberg. Right. Right? I mean, <laughs> you know. I mean, dude, I mean, if I could go to have happy hour drinks with anyone in my my entire life, it would be Dame. Mensch. I would go drink her. With who? You cut out. Talk about. You're looking at like longevity and. Uh, Helen Mirren. You cut out. I couldn't hear you. The name. Helen Mirren. Ooh. Oh, Helen Mirren. Oh, yes. Oh, God. What a babe. Oh. People like that that have like done so much for so long, it's just like, dude, like, just talk about like longevity and staying power. Like, she's oh, amazing. Like just Bill wanted... fucking Murray. I mean, there's just there's people out there that are, you know, they're just in a different whole world. But yeah, it's just that's the fun argument about loving movies and loving roles and loving actors and and having your own opinion about who the real actors are versus who the the front runners of Hollywood that keep movies going the Travoltas and the and the Wahlbergs like them or not they keep fucking Hollywood churning and burning and movies keep coming out because of these guys so mad respect <clears throat> but we gotta have you on again uh, Scott to talk about the definition of elite and maybe maybe put some some names on the pedestal later on but we're not here to talk about the elite we're here to talk about Mark Wahlberg Oh, what a dig. What a dig. What a, dig. <laughs> what a great segue. Ah, Charles. That's right. That's you. right. And uh, we, we decided we were going to do a double feature to spotlight the spectrum of Mark Wahlberg tonight. And we decided the first movie that we were going to talk about is 2010's The Other Guys. And here is the trailer, guys. Tell me once again why I got on this roof. I chalked that up to bad life choices. In the toughest city in the world, nobody fights crime like these guys. Uh, somebody call 9-1, holy shit. I got you. And then there's the other guys. Stop humming that song. We know, we know. All the gunfights, all the car chases, all the <laughs> sex we don't want to have with women, but we have to, all due to what you okay. guys do. And we do it again and again. Hey, 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 hey. If I want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm and work your mouth like a puppet. Peace out. 
Real, real characters. Are you stopping me? What? I think you're a fake cop. I hear a guy who's probably a little insecure. All units, we've got a possible jumper. We all know you're in a very dark place right now. I'm gonna do it! You're feeling as if sweet death is your only release. Oh, we got a second jumper! Oh, look, he's fine! Hi. Who are you? I'm his wife. This is a ball and chain. Oof. Come on, seriously, who is that? I am a real cop. I'm working on a huge case. You're coming with me. <laughs> it's a wooden gun. <laughs> oh! Listen up. We need your cooperation. Run! We are doing a lot of property damage. Oh, cool, a helicopter. Where'd you learn to drive like that? Grand Theft Auto. I want to do good cop, bad cop. I come strong, and then you come in. Got it. I want to know everything now. Okay, well, I'll talk to you. You're reasonable. No, no. You want to talk to me? I thought you said bad cop, bad cop. I am a peacock. You gotta let me fly. Pick another bird. Peacocks, they don't fly, Terry. They don't, do they? Just let them have it, Captain. The other guys. Man, look at that timing. Let's go. Yeah, the trailer just ended, so that's some good timing, sir. I'm Talk telling you. Timing. Telling you. Yeah, we're still waiting on... Uh... Just like Mark Warburg's career. Talk about timing. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude. Like, this fool struck gold. Like, more than once. Dude, I mean, he, I mean think about it. He was, if, if Leonardo DiCaprio was born in 1971... You tell me that this would have happened. <laughs> no, uh... Actually, they're probably the same age, to be honest. I, they gotta be close. Uh, the, um... I bet you every, I bet you every role that Mark Wahlberg was offered was offered to Leo first. <laughs> I mean, shit. I mean, I'm... I, 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 you can say that about all... You can say that about all... Well, I mean, and that's, and that's just the sad state of just the interchangeable leading man. You know? I mean, it, it's a coveted mm-hmm. spot to get... You know, like, like, like you got to get well, there. I mean, the I can't, I can't wait to talk about the departed. It'll, it'll bring it up. But Wahlberg wanted the, the, the Caprio role so mm-hmm. bad, oh, so bad, and, and, and he fought for it, and you know, he didn't get it, and, and he, and he, he ran with that supporting role. But man, he wanted that, that, that primary DiCaprio role. And you know, to be honest, so. uh, he's the only actor that got nominated for an Oscar from that cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is completely Oh, very surprising. much so. Very much so. Especially with the small amount of screen time he has just standing behind Alec Baldwin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you told me that a couple of weeks prior, uh, it kind of threw me off. I went, really? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, this is, uh, like I was saying, the you know, the... The interchangeable leading man, you know, I, I mean, I think the other guys is a perfect example of just that. I mean, it is, it's a role that, you know, Ryan Gosling could play. It's a role that, you know, Mark Ruffalo could play. It's a, it's, it's a role that, you know, a lot of the very good-looking leading men could play, in my opinion. 
you say that, but I, I, I feel like it's a, it's a, uh, you know, bounce back and forth between Farrell because Farrell is the king of this movie. I mean, this is the Fer- it's a Farrell movie. It's a McKay Farrell film. And I don't, I don't think some of these guys w- would have as much chemistry as Wahlberg and, and Farrell do. You can see it in their interviews. They do a lot of post interviews with these movies, and they're really funny together because it's the jockey stud versus the dorky, tall, funny guy. It, it's kind of embedded in their their DNA, and 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 I think Wahlberg knows that this is this is Farrell's world. Okay. And he and he runs with it, and he plays with it, and he has a lot of fun with it because he knows. Hey, this is this is feral shit. Now, if you get him in an action movie, uh, which I thought, you know, other guys was was, there's plenty of good action in it. Mm-hmm. So it was a good mixture. That's why I think it 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 stands, it stands as a really underrated movie. Yeah, that was that was Adam McKay on. And, oh, sorry, go ahead. Did you guys? Kick, did you guys kick me off? No, I thought I thought you were taking a oh. piss, man. I, I thought uh, we were just waiting on you to get back from the bathroom. No, I, no, I did. Like. Oh, we were just talking about uh, the other guys and um, the uh, the concept of the interchangeable leading man, you know, in movies, especially in the in the put a comedian with an actor scenario. I mean, it's it's a it's a concept right. as old as time, yes. you know. Um, are, are we are we are we talking right, other guys or are we talking uh, Boogie Nights? Which one are we doing here? No, we're, no, we're talking All about right. other guys. So let's sure. let's let's dive in because. I think I I, no, I think so this has I a lot to like, chop about too. I mean, there's tons to talk about the other guys because it's. I feel like it's it's Wahlberg's kind of like really first solely comedic role. Am I wrong or? Yeah, uh, no. Like it was no, like an right. like an intended to be a comedy type of situation. Yeah. I would say if if it's not the first, it's definitely in the very beginning. You know, it was it was. I mean, he was taking the Vince Vaughn route. It's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent a comedy, uh, but like this is this was the biggest budget that Adam McKay ever had to work with his in, in his mm-hmm. entire career. You want to know what it and is? So, oh crap! Can I guess? Yeah, I'll, I'll right. give you I will give you yeah. budget versus box office, and I'll give you I'll give you prices right rules, so don't go over. All right, so. I mean, he, he, he filmed the heart of the movie in downtown New York. And in and, and the first scene, I think they, they freaking knocked out the yeah. Trump Tower. Um, they actually used a... Obviously, that wasn't real, but like, but the budget for this movie was big. Very big. I bet the budget, I bet the budget for this movie was... I, I can't go over. Can't go over. $300 million. $300 million. Ooh, what? We're not making. Yeah, we're not, we're not making, making Titanic. Titanic. Yeah, we're not making Titanic here, Scott. Come on. I'll give. I'll give you one more guess. Because that's that's too high. One twenty-five. That's a great guess. So let's say let's say if they if let's say it took one twenty-five to make. What do you think the box office took in? One seventy-five. You nailed. You nailed the box office. And, and the budget was pretty close too, so it's a hundred million dollar film, which kind of threw me off too. I was like, God, is that what it takes to get The Rock in 2010 and Samuel and Wahlberg and, and Farrell's peaking? And it's a, but it's an Adam McKay movie, and I'm like, they spent a hundred. How did they spend a hundred million dollars on this movie? But it made a hundred, but it made 171. So 
In Hollywood, if you almost double your money, you are a uber success. So, you know, this has to be. And McKay, it was the, I, I'll, I'll argue, is this McKay's highest grossing film? I don't know. I, I would assume it's pretty close. I don't know if, you know, Talladega Nights got up there to 200 million or something, but it's got to be up there. Anchorman, I know, was huge, but that's a lot. That's, that's six, seven years before this. So I don't know. It's not his highest success. I know that, like box office, but I wonder tier wise, is this his third, fourth, fifth film? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I would wager to say that he's 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 made movies that had a better box office return. And matter of fact, I would say I would that I would say that this movie is. Be, oh, go Anchorman ahead. Two. Uh, I, I bet, I bet Anchorman uh, Two made more money. Oh, uh, just a. I think it, it made money because of the hype, but holy shit, talk about his. When his worst, I I, I barely was, got through it. Was with terrible, that. But, but I guarantee. I mean, I was in I was in I was in the theater. Yeah, I was in the theater going, uh, man, like you know, oh, it, was yeah. just, it was just upsetting. But but I I kind of expected that. But I think I think Ricky Bobby. I, I if I had a solid guess, I think Talladega Nights was his was the feral peak, was the character peak. You know, Anchorman, like I said, was early aughts, mid-aughts that didn't kind of have the... I think Talladega Nights would probably be his his front-runner. Man, uh, I, I would... I mean... Anchorman 2 did 173. Okay. Wow. So he's a 170 kind of cat. Like, he has he has a $170 million dollar fan base. And, and, and for comedies, that's insane money. Mm-hmm. No, I mean... I mean, you're talking no action, mostly no action. I mean... It, I don't know. I don't know why it costs him this much to make these movies. Because <laughs> he's, he's, he's not. He's not getting these crazy set these scenes. He's. It's not a James Bond fucking movie, man. I mean, what is he doing? Spending all that money? It's got to be the cast. It's got to be. I don't even know because this. It blows my mind that these movies cost this much to make. So so so, one of my favorite things about the other guys is. So the story goes, Adam McKay like went out to like dinner with Wahlberg and Farrell out in L.A., just some Italian restaurant. And they were just like kind of just having a dinner and bullshitting. And he saw how they just kind of feff each other and they made each other laugh, and had a good time. And he just kind of jokingly brought up like, what if you guys did a movie together? And they were like, what are you talking about? Like, it's not really the like we're not really in the same kind of realm. And he was like, no, let's let, let's do this movie where, like you guys are cops but like you're not like the starring people like you're just kind of like the sideshow and that was the same year 2010 was the same year that the a-team came out and and adam mckay was such a freaking condescending a-hole he was gonna name the movie the b-team that's funny and <laughs> and like i think like fox pictures or someone like came in and was like I'm not saying we're going to sue you, but don't call this movie the B-Team, or we're going to be mad. And he's like, all right, I'll change the name, so we'll, ch- we'll call it the other guys. But we have to find our, like, guys to be, like, two huge name actors. And so, and like, so yeah. initially, he always wanted to have The Rock. And so Adam McKay had a friend that was friends with The Rock, and The Rock's like, yeah, I'll do it. No problem. Whatever. I'll come out and shoot for like, you know, one day mm-hmm. and make $5 million or whatever. So the rock's cool. But the McKay wanted to do it was actually Michael Chiklis because Michael Chiklis was finishing up the shield at the time. 
and my who I met a month ago or three weeks ago. Did, did I tell you? Did I showed you guys that on the real shit. I met Michael Chiklis at Silverleaf Cigar Lounge. Yeah, I nice. saw that post. Yeah, that's great. Dude, that I, awesome. I wrecked, dude. What was creepy <laughs> was I. He was comes in. He's this. He's very short, and he's a portly white bald guy. But he came in in sunglasses like Charlie's wearing right now, guys. And I looked at him and I go, I looked at the, my regular in the well and I go, was that Michael Chiklis? <laughs> and he walks into the humidor and I'm like, it's during the day where I kind of have to walk around and, and see what they're doing. And I walk in and I hear it. I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? And I hear his voice and I'm like, in my head, I'm going, oh, my God, that's Michael mm. Chiklis. <laughs> but not to sidetrack, he was a great guy. I, I He... He, I didn't, I didn't fanboy till he paid for his to-go cigars, and I go, I looked at him in the face and I go, hey man, uh, anybody ever told you you look like Michael Chiklis? And he's still wearing his shades, and he go, and and he's talking. He's like, yeah, I've heard that a couple times. And I go, has anybody ever told you you sound like Michael Chiklis too? <laughs> and he and he and he takes off his shades. He puts them on the top of his head, and he and he reaches his hand out and he goes, nice to meet you. And I was like, no way, like the biggest Shield fan trying not to splooge on the man. And no one around me. And you were shit. like, I worked, dude, I, I love worked... the Fantastic Four. <laughs> yeah, well, I worked with a bunch of 20-year-olds, and, and I'm like, oh, Michael Chiklis was here. And they're like, who? And I'm like, the Shield. And they're like, who? And I'm like, god damn it. He was the thing in that shit, like the, the, the very, the, actually the decent, <laughs> the decent Fantastic Four movies because right. they've made, you know, so yeah, I, and they were like, the oh, oh, yeah, you know, these 23 year olds go, oh, yeah, and I just it hurt my soul. But anyways, another tangent, my, Michael Chiklis, amazing human, didn't want I wanted to take so, a picture with him, but he was out the door and I don't like to fanboy, but holy shit, I fanboyed. So so that's so that's who McKay wanted to play Samuel L. Jackson's role, but Chiklis was worried that that would make the fans of the shield view him as like not the serious cop anymore. So he, was yeah. like, he, so, he so he passed on it. And so they got Samuel L. Jackson, which was perfect. And so one thing that Adam McKay has said about that movie is when you put out the rock and Samuel L. Jackson in the first like 20 minutes of the movie, everyone's like, okay, these are the stars of the movie. Like these are the guys that we came here to watch. And then one of the most, I mean, it's pretty terrible, I agree, but it's also hilarious. Is when they're when they're chasing the bad guys in the first twenty minutes, and then they chase them up to the roof, and they look at each other and they're like, "Are you thinking what I'm thinking?" And they're like, "Yep, aim for the bushes." And he and they're I, in Manhattan. I, I love the line, no "Aim for the bushes." There's no bushes anywhere, and they jump twenty stories off of this building. Everyone's like waiting for them to like grab like something to get on the zip line or do something. And they know they just fall and they're dead. I, I jumped and off. I like, jumped off a lake cliff like five years ago, and I threw that line out, and nobody knew what the fuck I was talking about. But <laughs> I wish I was there. I said, "Aim for the bushes," and they're like, "No, don't aim for the bushes." And I'm like, "It, it, it movie joke." Right. Anyways, yeah, yeah. There, there, there is nothing worse than when you lay down a movie quote line, and people are just like, "Huh? Like, what? What? Like I." Said, but you know. This is this is this is a hindrance that I remember from this movie. I remember the trailer. I remember the aspect, and I went, "Oh, it's going to have the Rock and Samuel versus these two jokesters." You know, you could tell that that Marky Mark was playing more of a comedic role for his first time. 
But I thought they were playing the nerds versus, you know, the cool guys. And then they throw them out the first 20 minutes. And I'm like, ah, that was a little switch there. Little. It was it was great. I thought it was great. But casual fans, you know, guys that are, you know, just into the rock and Samuel L. Jackson were like, wait a minute. (laughs) I got to watch a Will Ferrell movie now. That's interesting. That's interesting. so so fast forward to after after they're dead, they they're at the funeral mm. and like all the other detectives are trying to be like, all right, who's gonna step up next? You know, who's who's gonna be there? And then of course you have uh, the like the two guys, which is uh, Damon Wayne's Jr. and uh, oh, Rob Riggle. Boy, what's his name? Rob Riggle. Rob Riggle. Who's who's? I love uh, Rob he's, Riggle. He's, he's the best oh, he's one-liner yeah. of all time. Pa-pow! kind of like where the movie switches gears and this also is a movie that relaunched michael keaton's entire career um because michael keaton because oh. michael keaton hadn't done anything in years and like this movie kind of so this is this is the comparison that i'll use and people are going to say that i'm an idiot but i'm but i'm used to that this is this is michael keaton's um um Neil, Neil Patrick Harris and Harold and Kumar. Oh, agreed. Uh, He's a cherry on top. Like they haven't, they haven't really done anything uh, in a long time. NPH and Keaton in the same sentence makes me makes me anxious. No, I'm <laughs> I'm saying that in the sense that these are people that hadn't been relevant or been in any feature film for yeah. a long time, and they take this kind of bit part. And they completely show up as someone that you don't expect them to be. And then you watch it. And like Michael Keaton is probably the highlight of this entire movie. Like his. I was going to say, like, he's the gem of this film. To see him in a comedic role again, it's 2010. Like you said, it had been a long. Multiplicity is the only thing that comes up. 94. And that was like 98, 97, 98, I think is multiplicity. Um,. But to see him in this role, because I hadn't seen it, I, I'm not a huge fan of this film, but I, I do enjoy it. I think it's I think it's great, but I hadn't seen it in years. It's just, but to see the Keaton role, I was like, ah, God, I love him. He's just fucking phenomenal. I kind of have a he's one of, he's Charlie, just, I kind of have a feeling that Charlie's still not seeing the other guys. No, no, I've seen them, the other guys several times. Um, but but y'all look like y'all are having so, so much fun just riffing about the movie i was i was just letting y'all go no but i want to hear charlie just give yeah we got we got to hear charles you know synopsis let's let's hear it dude um i just we're not talking about Wahlberg. we're talking about the movie correct okay i think this was I i i didn't think there was really any heart in this movie I thought there was just dollar signs that people saw. I thought that McKay wanted to go a certain way and Farrell wanted to go a certain way, you know, but they understood once they parted ways, they were making a lot less money. And so let's get one, one more cash grab before we start dipping and, and, and I'll go do my artful director thing and you keep making dog shit after dog shit after dog shit movie. And then we'll we'll you know that that that'll that'll be what it is. I mean, it's it really is McKay and Farrell's last two raw, you know, because uh, after that, I mean, Farrell went into business for himself. You know, you 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 got the Farrell 
only movies, you know, your Casa de Mi Padres and your, you know, your uh, Blades of Glories, um, you know, and so like, like, like the, the absence of McKay is palpable in a Will Ferrell film. You know, you can tell where he's lacking, you know, because Adam McKay picks up that slack, you know, and and you can see it in this movie. You can see the cohesion of these two and how they work so well together. And that's what that's what makes it one of the funnier later entries in both of their careers. <clears throat> but I think Farrell, it was a sign of him on his way out as far as his relevance and being the, the king of comedy, especially in like frat boy comedy. You know, like he was, he himself was getting older. He wasn't, he wasn't really wanting to do that Will Ferrell shtick anymore, you know, but hey, for $20 million, he'll fucking do it, you know? And, uh, and I think that that was a wake up call for both of these guys to be like, okay, we can't be making these stupid comedies. We should start doing what we want to do as opposed to pandering to this audience that just loves us in Talladega Nights and, you know, Anchorman and all these other usual tentpole feral films. You know, they, they were trying to manufacture that magic that wasn't there anymore. Um, but again, lots of great parts. You know, I, I love whenever they keep taking the bribes and not realizing it. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, I love, uh, when they, yeah, when they go to Jersey Boys. I mean, I was dying laughing. Um, so, guys, I was <laughs> it's not great. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Wow, what a musical. This water is fantastic. <laughs> Um, this, the, the, the cucumber accentuates the water so perfectly. He does. He just the, it's so funny. It's, I, I, I think it's the most underrated McKay-Farrell matchup, like, to be honest, because Farrell overpowers the Anchormans and, and, the, and the, the Talladega, you know, the Ricky Bobby characters. This one, they found, like I said, they, he went out to dinner with these guys, and their chemistry is awesome. Because Marky Mark's still trying to play a semi-serious role, and that more the, the like he just keeps getting angrier and angrier, yeah. <laughs> and that's what makes it funny is because Farrell's playing this ridiculously non-realistic character. I mean, Ava Mendez is his wife. I mean, it, it Mark's like, no, seriously, like, <laughs> he, I love how, I love how he asked like sixteen times in a row between meeting her and dinner, like, no, really, like, why are you here? Who are you, and why are you married to this man? And and you get the Gator story. I mean, come on, everybody talks about Gator. No play, no shit. I mean, I mean, um, if I can cut in, I want to say that that's probably Mark Wahlberg's best line. In that scene, which, which is, I don't think there's a Meg Ryan Tom Hanks movie where he has poison ivy up his ass. <laughs> the best line Mark Wahlberg says in the entire film. It, it's McKay. There's some stupidly no. good so, comedic writing in this film, no, okay. which is amazing. This, I mean, it's, it's there's tons of one-liners. It's no, it's no writing. It's, it's no writing. It's basically Adam McKay standing out to the side yeah. and just throwing out, throwing out lines one after another yeah. and saying, say this, say this, say this. And then they just start, it's basically just ad lib. And Adam McKay was worried about Wahlberg in that role because he was like, yeah, with, with, with Farrell, I can just throw out lines and just be like, say this and see what happens. And they'll just go from there. And he was yeah. worried, but then like Wahlberg finally like got it. And the scene that... Adam McKay says that they first he figured out okay this is what I'm supposed to do is that scene 
I think the first like 30 minutes of the movie when they're at the office and he talks about the lion versus tuna the lion versus tuna like that scene is all ad lib and it's pure gold and I like but but it's it's 90% feral we'll construct a system of breathing apparatuses (laughs) we will go and once we get a taste of lion Oh, we're going to hunt lions. Like all day? Of course not. But an hour? Hour 45? Of course. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's, that's Farrell's ad-libbing at its best. And I think, you know, that's what created uh, Ted. Ted for for uh, for for Wahlberg. You know, that, that adaptation. He was the tough guy, the rough guy, the, the action guy. And then he, in Rock, The Rock's done it. I mean, you see that in this movie. You see that in Pain and Gain after this. The Rock has comedic value as well because I think they understand that you get into a movie with Will Ferrell who can ad-lib like that. You just got to play the, yeah, yeah, the dummy guy. You know, you're the jockey-looking dummy guy, but if you can just kind of fit that scene and not feel awkward or look awkward or bounce off it the best you can, man, that's a that's like, that's like that's Ferrell's genius. He is a genius in some, some aspects, and that's that ad-lib thing. Um, I think I don't think he's quite uh, Robin Williams, which I know uh, Scott's not a fan. But uh, I didn't know that. You know, there's there's some guys that can just run and and go. Uh, you know, it's Bill Murray's, it's 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 Will Ferrell's, it's Robin Williams, it's uh, the ad lib guys that can just go and, and run with it. Ben Stiller's really good. At that I would too. Uh, um, I would love to throw a name. I think Christopher Lloyd is a great. Off, oh yeah! Off the cuff. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Doc Brown character. I mean, it's so yeah. Like his he ad libs like I mean, crazy in that role. I mean, put Jim, an actor in the Jim outfit Carey in the scene. Oh, Jim Carrey. Yeah, of course. I mean, we the king of it. Uh, <laughs> oh, one of my favorite lines <laughs> ever. Um, those those your skis? <laughs> Both of them? I mean, who thinks of shit like that? But you know, but it, the ad lib. <laughs> thing is, is is real and you see that in the in the uh, post credits it's usually the, uh, the the blooper reel but you see it in, in feral films and that's what he does and and it was cool to see him and and, and Wahlberg team up I, I I feel like they're gonna team up again I feel like have they Daddy's since then home? yeah yeah they they, they teamed oh, up two more see, times they, they have phenomenal uh see daddy's home that it reminds me also of the what was the the Adam Sandler dad something the the rock star dad or, or was it no it was sandler it was adam sandler and and, and sandberg right the the dad kid don't, don't thing. even clump those in you're getting off on the tangent that has nothing to do with what we're talking about uh, but uh, i don't like the i don't like the what they're doing later in life like i said Wahlberg's with with kevin hart playing the 51 year old party boy and i'm like you're, no your 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 comedic aspect was based on who you were working with. So so I can tell that you guys don't have the same love that I do for the other guys, and I completely understand that. I think maybe the timing of when it came out, when I watched it, and then when I watched it later, because I feel like the other guys is something that, like, when you watch it for the first time, you're like, okay, whatever, it's okay. But as you watch it multiple times and you pick up more on, like, the, the funny interactions that they have, like, you appreciate a lot of the stuff later and I know that that's has a lot to do with Adam McKay's just genius writing and him throwing out stuff but like one of the best scenes of the movie 
that I I quote I wouldn't say on a daily basis, but I talk about is the fact that he has the Prius and they, and they keep touching on the Prius the whole movie. And then <laughs> when, they have, when, when, when they go to the impound and pick up the car and there's that police officer that's just sitting there. And since Charlie can't play clips anymore, I'm just going to say the lines myself. Okay. So um, they, they're sitting there and they show the Prius and it's just wrecked to all hell. And he goes, well, here she is. They left her right under an overpass for the night. And Will Ferrell's like, did you find anything? He's like, yeah, we found a lot of stuff. Bodily fluid and hair samples. We determined a bunch of old homeless dudes had an orgy in your car. And Will Ferrell's like, oh, God. He's like, yeah. You know what's called when they do that? It's called a soup kitchen. It's pretty rough stuff. And after that, a mama raccoon came in and gave birth on the floor. And that's all Adam McKay just feeding in those lines. Oh. Like, like one of the funniest, they're like my two favorite outtakes of any show or movie of all time. The other guy's outtakes and Eastbound and Down's outtakes. <laughs> yeah. Those are like two of my favorite outtakes of all time. But but it's Farrell going, go. It's Farrell going, here you go. Here's a leash. It's 50 feet long. Go. Yeah. And he's so good at and, that. And, and then. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I loved Riggle's line of when he pulls in this little Prius and he goes, Did this. He's talking about his Prius car. Did this car come with a dental dam? <laughs> yeah. And, and then. I mean, just. And then, there's and some, then, and there's then some comedic Jr. genius in the writing. Well, I mean, fun. F- and then Marlon Wayne's Jr. leads down. He's like, Hey, is this a Prius? Yeah, I think my Suburban shit one of these out last night. <laughs> Love that line. Uh, and then, like, there's, like, like they, they, they crash into the crime scene, and there's, like, the whole car's covered in cocaine. They're, like... Oh, yeah. They're, like, oh, it looks like Scarface sneezed on your car. Sneeze, yeah, sneeze all <laughs> over your shit. That's the dental dam scene. He goes, man, does, did, this, did this car come with a dental dam? I mean, come on. Riggle's, Riggle's such a zinger. Yeah, everything whoever says wriggle that's your line they know what they're doing because he gives some good ones man he's perfect side character type aspect guy and you also got to touch on michael keaton's tlc references throughout the movie yeah oh yeah that's just hilarious i i, I like keaton's line uh shake your dicks this <laughs> this pissing contest is over so good <laughs> well I know you guys want to move on because obviously Boogie Nights is a lot more in depth than the other guys, but I no, appreciate you know, you guys for Walbert. Well, we uh, got granted. We, we got to rate it. I mean, I, I, I love, I, I think watching this film today recently versus I've only seen it maybe twice. I thought, dude, it holds up so well. It's really well written. The, the action's there. You get the, you get the early, Rock and, and LL, uh, Samuel L. Jackson uh, cameo, which I remember seeing the trailer thinking I thought they were more prevalent. But hey, you get what you get. You, you get the first intro to a, a Mark Wahlberg comedy, which has sparked a pretty big side career for him. That guy has done Ted 1, Ted 2, all this bullshit afterwards. So I think it holds up. I think it's really funny. I think the, the acting and the pacing and everything's there. It's not boring. It's it is what it is. I love, I love, like Charlie said, the uh, the bribing scenes. I love the the the, the gator pimp scenes. Uh, 
I think it's I think it's a solid six point seven, like almost a seven kind of comedy to me. It's it's right up there. It's really rewatchable. I don't think it's too much dated. There's not a lot from 2010 that you're gonna really shit on versus today with the economy or I'm sorry the social uh, thing. I don't think it's too raunchy. I think it's just really well written and well directed. And hey, I'm giving it almost. A seven, which is good for me. Very nice. Uh, you want me to go, Scott, or you want to, you want to go? I want you to go because okay. I know where you're, you're about to bury it. <laughs> you, you think so little of me, Scott. Um, no, I don't. No, uh, he just, know um, he just I, knows I, you. <laughs> no, um, I like like reaffirming what Rylan said. I mean, it holds up. You know why? Because it's a really well-made film. Like that's the reason why it holds up. You know, like if it. I mean, it might lose a step or two with, you know, the the lack of PC-ness that we that we didn't have to twelve years ago. But on the joke level, on the narrative level, on you know just the the New York sensibility, you know, all of that works. You know, uh, and I mean, I know I talk shit about it being their last two rob, but it's still them two creating this film, and they make quality films. You know, so. Uh, I, I, without further ado, I have to say that out of ten stars, I would give this movie a higher rating than Ryland. I would give this movie a I would give this wow. movie a seven point six out of ten. Damn, that never. Like happens. I said, I've I've seen I've seen this film several times. I really enjoy this film. I love uh, Christine Neff. You say my wife's name right when <laughs> you're in my house. You know, I mean, I mean, these are all classic little bits, you know? Um, you know, like the, the desk pop. Call it a desk pop. You know, let's go ahead, you know? Oh. And then... I, I, I love it that it's not, it's not trendy. It's, not, it's a buddy cop movie. It's a parody. It, it, <clears throat> and it doesn't... There's no social kind of cues in there. There's not a lot going on, but it's so well written. It's an action, there's some action in there. It keeps you pacing along, and, and you stay involved. I was... I hate to say... I I paid more attention to the other guys than I did Boogie Nights. Right. You know what I mean? Like just cuz I'd seen Boogie Nights more, but at the same time, it, you know, it's just it's fast-paced and it's 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 got me going. And so. uh and by the way, uh none of these things that I'm describing in the film does Mark Wahlberg have anything to do with it. Uh I'm telling you, <laughs> fucking uh, the fucking mannequin could play this fucking part. And he'd still be funny because he's sitting next to Will Ferrell and Adam McKay, who, by the way, Adam McKay plays the role of Dirty Mike. I don't know. I I, I, don't, I don't know if y'all knew that, but yeah. And and and, and one of the one of my favorite lines is, "Wait a minute, are you Dirty Mike and the boys?" That's and I, like like any time I see a guy named Mike with a couple of people walking with him, I mean, it's gold. It it hits every single fucking time. And again, it's made in 2010, so it's relevant enough for the youngsters to kind of get it as well. Um, so yeah, again, timeless. Pop it in. Let's watch it. I mean, it's a Christmas vacation type of movie. It's just you can you can put it in and go, you know, and 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 you can stop whenever you want to. You know, and still be fulfilled in whatever part you want to do. You don't have to finish the film. You can just get to your favorite joke and then be like, I'm fulfilled. You know? And I almost I almost want to bet five bucks that Scott's isn't higher. Did you give it a 7.8, sir? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to hear what Scott says about this film overall. No, actually, um, I, I think Charlie said a 7.6. 7.6 from me, yes. Okay. Yeah. I'd bet five that Scott's 
guess or or, or rated <clears throat> would be lower. I don't know though. No, like I think my my level of excitement is is determined by how excited you guys get. And I was so excited to talk about this, and you guys just like really just killed my entire vibe because I was like I was like so excited to talk about like all the characters and like certain scenes and like talking about certain things and like I understand tend to cover because we haven't even touched on one of the best movies of all time. So I you know for me I understand that writing and Adam McKay's brilliance in this movie has a massive, massive part of why it's funny. I mean, him, obviously I did know that he was Dirty Mike, and I will tell you that every other person that's behind him in that scene, they're all like either like, they all worked on the film as well. It's like his like second assistant and like costume designer. Oh, that's cool. So everyone that's in that little scene are all people that worked on the film. Um, Gotta love that. And I Gotta also love, love that. that. As he's walking off, he yells out, "We will screw in your <laughs> Prius." <laughs> it's just, and also, Adam McKay gained the most weight in this movie because he said he just sat there, and they would like they were filming in New York, and so they get done filming, and they just go eat like pizza and Italian food and just slam pasta all night and drink red wine and just laugh and mess around and go film so he gained like 30 pounds while he was filming this movie and he said he got home and his wife was like what are you doing to yourself and he's uh, like oh i just had the best time of my life yeah i just got a huge budget <laughs> film for the first time like this was awesome yeah he's enjoying the spoils yeah, yeah. But he, just he, yeah, he, he just had a hundred million dollars to spend can yeah. you imagine that right do they do, uh, that's a good question to ask though do the directors the producers how where does the money the ciphering go do they do in the beginning they're like this is what we're going to spend this is what we're spending i don't know that's a good no, question there's an accountant ask. on every project i mean that's what the producer does producer hands out the money like it's regular yeah. i mean i mean the the executive producer is the one that has that has the big chunk of money the producer is the guy that goes out and says hey i want that camera guy i want that boom mic guy I want this, you know, crew. I want this catering service. I want how much is that going to cost? Oh, that's not enough. Okay, I can't have this catering service. You know, and it's it's just how you figure out. Yeah. We 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 have Mark Wahlberg. We have to have top tier catering. But, but at the same time, we also have Mark Wahlberg, so we can afford it. You know. Or we can just cater Wahlberg. And there you go. There you go. <laughs> or no, guys, we have Mark Wahlberg. We can't afford it. <laughs> that's my uh, my thinking going. Dude, we just paid Wall Wally, fucking twenty mil, bro. We ain't got we. There will be no cocktail shrimp on the fucking, on the catering list. I'm sorry, yeah. guys. So, so I will say like the first, only for Mark. I mean, everybody else I doesn't. Movie, I'd probably, I'd probably go like seven, seven point two, seven point three. But I've watched this movie probably seventy five times in the last. 10 to 12. Goodness years. gracious. Like, yeah. This is one of my, like, this is one of my go tos. Like, if I wanted to just laugh, I'll put this on anytime and it'll make me happy. Like, I I think this is the, one of the most underrated, funny movies of the last 15 years, hands down. And I agree. And I agree. I think that the more you watch it, the more little lines and quips that you'll pick up on and appreciate especially like Michael Keaton's little crap and like just like stupid stuff like the rock at the press conference was like hey what 
do you want to touch on the rumors about you and Kim Kardashian? He was like, no comment. But yes, it's just like it's just like dumb. It's 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 mindless humor. And as you guys know, I am not as serious as Charlie. <laughs> I like the mindless. Just I want to have a good time, enjoy a good movie. I don't want to sit here and think about the freaking cinematography and the story. I just want to like sit down and not care for two hours of my life. And so I can watch the other guys anytime and just forget about my life and enjoy a movie. And that's what I appreciate. So I'd say now I'm going like eight, five. Man. Okay. Yeah. What do you take? What do you take points away for? Oh man. I mean, so I thought about what I rated my previous movies that I've been on here for. And I, and I thought about like, and I also listen to y'all's top 10 and top 20. Sure. And I think about that. And Mad respect, by the thank way. You. Mad thank you. Thank respect. Yeah. No. And, and so, like, I guess, was it your, was it during the two-year episode we talked, when y'all both did your yes. uh, 11 through 20? Correct. Yeah. Right? And so, like, I was listening to all y'all's responses, which, by the way, I love that y'all both threw out Jurassic <laughs> Park because you got to be on the list. Have to. Have to. Just respect. JP93. So, and Come so, on. Like, there, like, there's certain movies where, if you were to say, hey, top 20 movies of all time, can I sit down and be like, the other guys is in my top 20 of all time? That's a bold move. Like, I'm like, no, because I also feel like everything needs to be put in categories. Okay. Because I'm not going to say, like, you can't compare Shawshank Redemption to Billy Madison. Like yeah, that's, that's the hardest right. part. The hardest part is going, I have to throw a comedy in. I said that on my, my top 10 yeah. with Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, and, I was like, I know this isn't the best film, but I have to put in my personal, you know, connection to a comedy because comedies are never considered Oscar winners or of course it, it doesn't exist. Yeah. So, but what do they mean to you? So if the other guys is in your top twenty, no, it's I would not. Love it's to not. I would top fifty. Yeah, for sure. And Hell and yeah. I want to and I want to say I want to say if you listen to my top ten, then you'll know that the movie Dirty Work is one of my top ten favorite movies. What about? I mean, talk about a stupid fucking movie. I mean, that is so incredibly Gonzo. <laughs> you know, so I respect. I respect Gonzo. I respect silly little dumb movies because, you know, if they're made right, they can last decades, centuries, yeah. you know? And so I, I, I understand the, the importance of that. And I wouldn't fault you for putting other guys in your top 20. I mean, well, it's, it's a personality token. I mean, that's, I mean, that's saying that I fuck with Will Ferrell. I fuck with Adam McKay. You know, that's my I mean, shit. I, I guess that's top 50. Yeah, you know? But what y'all, what y'all are on top? touching on is as a viewer of cinema movies film whatever the fuck you want to call it you have to have these palate cleansers these these comedies that that get you through a rough Take the day, piss out of it yeah that get you through something they're never going to be acclaimed they're never going to have the best actors they're never going to blah blah whatever the fuck it doesn't matter but if it relates to you and it's a funny fucking movie that you can put on and go, no matter fucking what, I'm going to laugh and I'm going to giggle and I'm going to have my little fun with this because it's mine. That's all the that fucking Agreed. matters. 
And I hate that comedies don't ever have the acclamation or the the hype that they should. But the other guys is like top fucking tier comedy. It really is. It's it's McKay and Farrell and, and bringing in an action guy who meshes so well with Farrell. It's 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 really really fucking good. And all the sub characters involved. And we and we need that shit. Yeah, sub characters. But we need that shit as as cinema viewers. We we can't all have Departeds and and taxi drivers and all this shit to to drag us down. <laughs> you know, uh, you have to have these uppers and these these comedies that that make it fun and. Like you said, <laughs> just a bad day. Oh no! I'm moving on to my next notes. Let's talk about. Boogie Fucking Boogie. a! Here's the trailer, guys. My name is Jack. Eddie. Eddie Adams. Eddie Adams from Toys. Yep. Jack Warner, filmmaker. Filmmaker. Adult films, exotic pictures. Titanic uh, encapsulated everything. I want to be in business with you. Ed. It made me think about your name. Something a little pizzazz. I want you to know I plan on being a star. And a lot of great ideas coming up. Big bright shining star. I did research on it, and I'm going, ah, oh, I kind of want to jump yeah. into... So, uh, yo, yeah, so Heart 8 is, is John C. Wright with the uh, Phil Baker Hall, Gwyneth Paltrow, Samuel L. Jackson, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and I have not seen the movie, and I'll be the first to admit it, but if it's Anderson's first movie, I have to go back to Charles, Charles probably has it on 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 Blu-ray I'm sure or he's, I'm sure he's or you know. I have a digital copy of the film. 
Um, oh, I mean, it, anything with Paul Thomas Anderson's name attached to it he, is fantastic. He might have yeah. a he might have Criterion version no, of it. Criterion. They don't have a Criterion version of Heartache. Um, but I, I mean, I will say, in due, in due well, like time. I said earlier, I mean, he's a guy that constantly challenges himself. So I would say the Heartache is probably his worst film. You know, in it's that regard. You know, just because it's it's he's just brand baby new. You know, he just wanted to make a film. He got the financing. He had the idea. He realized his creation, and that's what it was. And it, and it, that's what got him the money to make Boogie Nights. So that alone is enough to give it viability. You know, and and, and, and I, I love I love that P.T. Anderson is acclaimed as the first like movie store director. His dad. <laughs> You know, it was the first guy to have a VCR in the neighborhood or whatever, and he's the first, like, rental VHS movie director. He's born in uh, 70, 70, 71, That's I think. Point. So he's only, he's, he's only 10, 11 years older than me, and I feel the same. We, we grew up going to the movie rental place as our outlet, or as, our, as our source for, for cinema. And I, I hear he's the first that was not only a genius, <laughs> but you know, I'm sure there's a couple other that were before him, but he was the one that, that made waves. You know, uh, I hate to say it, Scott, but I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson, he's got the spark. You know, I mean, you feed that spark, it turns into a flame. Flame turns into a bonfire. I mean, I, I believe that we were in the campfire area when we were looking at Boogie Nights. I think that he, I think that he, even, even the product that he put out in 97, I don't think it's the full version of what he wanted to make. No, not at all. You know? Have you guys looked up all of the deleted scenes of this movie? There, mm. there are, no. No. Alright, so you can go on YouTube and there are probably, you can probably find a solid 30 to 40 minutes of deleted footage from this movie. So, one of the favorite stories that I learned about this movie is that um, Anderson wanted this movie to be rated NC-17, or he wanted it to be three hours long. Actually, he actually at first he wanted both, and then the producer came back and said, "You can't have it over three hours and be NC-17 because no one is going to come watch it, and it'll have no yeah. commercial value whatsoever." Right. So, so you choose which one you want, and he said. All right, let's just, I'll cut out these 40 seconds. And it went from NC 17 to R. And then eventually. Are y'all uh, curious about uh, budget versus, versus gross? Are y'all curious about budget versus gross? I'm all about it. Gross? I already know that. I already know it. So, so let's, let, let's, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do sure, Charlie this time. Uh, I'll, I'll do uh, prices Right sure. Rules. So, budget, don't go over. Versus gross, nineteen ninety seven Paul Thomas Anderson film. What I want to say new. Uh, <laughs> I want to say New Line gave him. Don't don't go over. <laughs> I was gonna say seventeen million dollars. Charlie, you went oh. over by just a tad. Okay. It was it was fifteen, 15 million. Which I, I I still don't understand how they did this with fifteen, even oh, yeah. in nineteen ninety seven. It made forty three. Yeah. Is what I have forty five, whatever. Um, so it tripled his money, which for PTA, 
he's not a big money guy. Yeah, you know, but I mean, think he's about not. How many Academy Award winning actors and actresses are in this movie? What, but pre awards. Right. So this is like, this is kind of that director that knows supreme talent. Yep. Who also has the best goddamn script you've ever fucking read. So it's this, this perfect melding of it's like link later you know he does he never he would never got to pta status but he still has that eye of going i have the best fucking script you could write right now like no one has hotter shit than me so i need some young young hot actors actresses you know give me some zing and zang but holy fuck i mean pta just i think people knew what he was capable of, obviously actors and producers and everybody else around it. He's a phenom, dude. He's he he was like twenty six. Can you imagine being a twenty? This movie came out in nineteen ninety seven, and look up Paul Thomas Anderson's birthday. I don't know what it is, but I'm pretty sure he was in his late twenties. I think, or, yeah, I think, yeah, twenty four. Can you imagine five, making a film of this caliber with this amount of adulthood and this amount of like? real deal drama life shit at his age he's he's a fucking genius all right and so, i love every film he's ever done all right so let's uh let's let's talk about how the story starts and the whole premise of the movie so like the whole the whole the the first opening scene of the movie yeah so they have that single shot camera that comes out and pans up with the neon sign and then it's a it's a single shot the entire time. It scans down, yeah. and it goes into the nightclub, and it follows people, and it scans the nightclub, and they never cut that. It's one entire shot the entire time. If you watch that first scene, it is pure gold. And you guys, I, I guarantee you'll know the answer to this. I guarantee Charlie will know the answer to this. So Anderson actually emulated that first shot after a famous scene from a movie by I mean this is one of the best movies ever what movie has that single shot of someone walking into a bar club where they follow that person into the door and then they scan the crowd as they come in hold on Rylan probably knows it I'm asking Charlie though into a club and scanning the crowd it's a single shot. They have a boom camera that comes down, and then it comes in, and it, and it follows the person into the, let's just call it a bar. And it stays, it's one shot the entire time. They never cut it. It's a tracking am, shot. I'm... Sometimes some, sometimes it's not a one shot, because one true shot is no takes, like no, no <sighs> cutting. But it's a track shot. It's a track shot, a long shot. And a long shot is really hard to do as a director, but I think I know the answer. You know what? Nothing's coming to mind, Scott. I, I, would, I am excited to hear the answer. Rylan is, it, is it Goodfellas? Is it the Coco Cabana Goodfellas scene from Scorsese? Yep. Okay, okay. Okay. So what's fun is me and Charlie have done our, our 10 favorite scenes of all time. Yeah. And those two scenes are both, not those two, but two scenes from each movie are in my top ten scenes of all time. The Coco Cabana scene in Goodfellas, the one shot, the the, the epic fucking one shot, yep. is 
cinematic gold. But I also took from this movie, which deciphers from the true one shot you're talking about, was the the firecracker drug scene. We'll get to that yeah. later. That's like the end of the movie, later. Bro. But but I'm saying those are my those were my top two, you know, top ten favorite scenes of all time. So no, trust me. Yeah, that that scene is phenomenal. So like that first opening scene when they scan in and they basically introduce you to like ten characters in the first like minute and a half of the movie. Like one. And they they briefly kind of show what all these people are going through or who they are. Yeah. And then fast forward, you know, two minutes later, and then you see Mark Wahlberg for the first time doing dishes in the back room in the kitchen. Fucking but... dreamboat. <laughs> I mean, look yeah, at this fucking like guy. 17 year old pot of gold. And he's just, uh, well, uh, you know, that's funny that you bring that up because, uh, you know, in, in planning this little episode, you know, I was looking for things to think about you know to shit on mark Wahlberg for right so uh one of one of the things that i came across was that little back and forth that uh burt reynolds and mark Wahlberg had in the kitchen where he's talking about you know you you want 10 or you want five you know and he goes and then and then (laughs) and then uh and then you know burt reynolds says so so you you do that for money and he goes yeah and he goes have you done it before have you done it tonight and he goes, yeah, a couple times. And and and, yeah, and, he, and he goes, and he goes, and you'll do it again. And he goes, yeah, if you got ten bucks. And I was like, that is Mark Wahlberg's like mission statement. <laughs> you you want to do it again? Yeah, if you got ten bucks. <laughs> I, I love though that it's, it's again. I was again. I was looking for ammunition. That's all I was doing. I was looking for ammunition. And I thought that was pretty funny. But, but the I writing of that, the writing builds up to the the, the prominence of, of the film yeah. where at the end, that's that's Why do you keep jumping go-to. Ahead, <laughs> <laughs> we we got to talk about, this film is multi-layered, man. Well, let's, let, let's take how, it step by step. How, yeah. how the beginning of the film matters till the end. It's great. It's, it's, it's film so, writing. and No, Scott's got the reins. I'll, I'll, I'll let Scott take the reins. So like the first the first 20 30 minutes of, of the film you're you're introduced to pretty much every character right off the bat and so and like in some movies I think that when whenever people introduce you to that many characters you just get lost right away you're like wait I don't know who, who's this person who right they? naturally but I think Anderson does a great job at like tying them all together when they end up showing up at the party so basically, he sees something in Wahlberg, decides to approach him, and then comes back the next night and was like, hey, let us take you home. After he offers up Roller Girl to go take care of him in the right. laundry closet. And then um, they pick him up on the side of the street. He says he wants to go home. His mom kicks him out, which produces my favorite line in the movie, which I'll say later. But So he gets kicked out of his parents' house, and he goes... But, but, but we got to talk about the depth of of the depth of you're talking. Well, are like you, are... PTA in this PTA in this film is going through like funny things, really really dramatic things. Like the scene with his mother where she's tearing up his room yeah. is 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 very dark and and deep. 
It is. So you're always on this this little loop de loop of roller coaster in this <laughs> film because it goes through comedy, uh, uh, really dark shit, uh, character development. I mean, so much is built into this this plot. His his writing is bar none. What I what, mean, what he does in this movie, he makes you feel empathy for every single character. Every character in the entire movie, which is. Like, Which is almost a dozen. You do the do the math. I mean, I mean, every single person, you're like, oh, I feel bad for Julianne Moore's character because she's trying to see her kid, but she's got a freaking coke habit and she's a drug addict. And I feel bad for you know Don Cheadle because he can't find his place in this movie and he's trying to find his identity. And then I feel bad for uh, William H Macy because his Begging a dude on the driveway. I mean, the, yeah. And like the first 30 minutes, William H. Macy's wife is just getting banged out everywhere it goes. Who, by the way, I heard, I don't, I don't know this for a fact, but I heard that she um, is a ex 1980s porn star. No shit. Uh, there's, there, there's actually a few actual porn stars mm-hmm. in this film. That right. I've <laughs> done, done, done minimal research on. Right. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. they're out there. Um, but I think, <laughs> The point of what I was saying is that I think Anderson does an amazing job in the first 20, 30 minutes of introducing a dozen plus characters that you all like you all care like you care for them immediately. All of them. Like he like he puts Absolutely. them in a vulnerable light where you're just like, Man, I wanna know this person's story and their backstory and and um after I mean, like Ryland said, like like that scene whenever Mark goes home, sorry. Um, at this time, it's Eddie from Torrance, right. Eddie Adams. Eddie. So whenever Eddie goes home and his mom basically says, you're never going to amount to anything, and, you know, that scene with him and his girlfriend, which I do love, but doesn't need to be talked about too long. But when his well, mom basically... And also his dad. Nobody talk, wants to talk about Eddie's his dad. dad Eddie's talk. dad was just was there. They're not a divorced family. Right. His dad is in the house, but his dad is just... I, this woman has taken over, and I'm not going to fucking talk. It, that threw me off because in the <sighs> '70s, couples that weren't happy stayed together. Yeah, that's true. Now, I was up in the '80s where when couples weren't happy, they fucking fucking shoot the Split boot up. Yeah, that's why my parents were divorced. So I I loved that 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 true case of like a dad who was there, but wasn't there. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can I mean, you can analyze the fuck out of that one statement in this film. I mean, that's how deep this fucking film goes. I mean, I mean, let me ask you a question. Like, who's the bad guy in this film? I mean, I would say the bad guy is Todd, who gets introduced way later into the movie. Okay. Who's played by Tom, <laughs> Thomas Jane. Who, I love Todd's character is one, top tier, one of the best in this whole movie. Dude, Thomas Jane. He is the shit starter, oh. and and this is obviously everyone's first Thomas Jane. I don't care. I don't. I don't know what he did before then. Was uh, he, he doing a uh, panel in '61? No, way after. That was this. way after. Sorry, that was way after. But I'm saying, like, did anyone know Thomas Jane before this? Because I don't think so. No, but Thomas was he in a, a soap opera? I don't know. But God, is Todd. As the shady, like, coke head guy? 
perfect. So, so you you also would agree that the bad guy in this film is Tom Jane's character? Uh, that's the thing is I mean, there really the is colonel? no bad guy. I think I think the bad guy, the colonel, of course, gets his due. Um, um, I think the bad guy in this film is just the industry, the life, yeah, the drugs, the, the drugs. You, you see, the you addiction. see every single person's build up, and you see every single person's build down. Okay, there's no and, and, and PTA is so good at going. Man, in in eight minutes, I can get across, you know, John Cheadle's fucking storyline, <laughs> and do it like the, we'll get. I don't know if we're going to talk about it, but you know where Don Cheadle gets rejected at the bank, and and then the donut scene. Get the fuck Great out writing. of here! Oh, so good. That is fucking genius. Agreed. Because it's it, it, Don Cheadle's character is is built up from from almost the first fifteen minutes. You know, you see this guy that's trying, that's smarter than. The average bear, maybe or whatever, but oh, there's so many good actors hey, in man, this. That you gotta have that I, base. You gotta have that base. You gotta have that base. base. He's like, but he's playing some some honk some honky tonk, you know, uh, a '70s country. You know, it's oh, right. It's, so, it's an African American, uh, you know, a character. Man. Like, he. He's like, they don't there's not a lot of social tones in this. There's not a lot of. It's the '70s. There's not a lot of social tones, but they're there. They're subtle. Well, the PTA is and they're real. Yeah, but Paul Thomas is, dude, he's unbelievably good at doing this. I would. And so, oh, and so, I think when they finally like when once like one of my favorite scenes has got to be once you know he finally once Eddie Adams from Torrance decides to come to the party and leave his family, and he and he goes to. Um, uh, Jack's house, and they have, and he's like, "Let me introduce some friends," and that's where, he, like, you know, he goes around and meets everyone, and like that, just like the like the music, the one of my favorite scenes is still whenever John C. Riley is sitting behind the bar making the margaritas at the blender, and he's like, "Hey, what do you bench?" He's like, "Well," and he says, "What do you squat?" And they have that interaction, just John C. And I guarantee that's just John. Going off the cuff, and it's just pure gold. Like whenever John C. Riley, because this is early, early John C. Riley, like like we were saying before. But uh, that scene, and then you kind of meet every character. And then Ryle and I were talking about this earlier. Like you cannot forget about Philip Seymour Hoffman in this movie. Like Philip Seymour Hoffman is just pure. Any scene that he's in, it doesn't matter if he's talking or just standing around. Just he steals every scene in this movie. Like, and he has a very well, what bit part? Yeah. Well, what 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 holds weight is now. Twenty twenty two. Like he's been gone for a while. Uh, that man tell you was when he died. Actually, I can tell you the what, exact date. Twenty fifteen, I think sixteen. Yeah. It's before. Was it before that? Yeah. Twenty, yeah, man, early twenty fourteen, you know, I believe. Yeah. That man in this movie, especially now pre watching, is he's tier one. I don't. We we talk about actors. We talk about this man was given a small part and is such a good goddamn actor that he just elevated elevated it to a, a, another level. Agreed. And this is 90, 1997 where. 
you know, gay men weren't accepted and, and his, his little quirky character, there weren't TV shows. There wasn't, you know, two men in a whatever. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm trying to project whatever shows came in, you know, after that, but you know, the gay community didn't have that <laughs> in 97 and he, and he, and he came in and he was like, he did his role and he knocked it out of the park. And I think he's so good in it. It's amazing. And I think that, um, you know, he, he stood behind the quietness of 1997's, you know, outlook on that type of lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, you, you and he had to comment about 99 with boondock saints. Yeah. And I, and I kind of disagree with what you're saying. Um, but we, that's a tangent that we don't need to talk about. I think that. No, I, I just, I just think like pre two thousand. Um, it's still, I mean, you know, if you were, if you were projected into a gay role, if you were projected into a gay role. You had to have really good acting chops or really good agent to to get you over that. Pt. This is Pt. Anderson's first film. Second. First second film. film, and he's paying a prominent second film well first big hit film and he's playing a prominently gay role i mean they never and say it's, that you just they that. never say it but right. good lord i mean because they right. couldn't that's the problem no is the guy's making a film where it, it, it's it's well no yeah for real for real dude like uh i mean i would say if anything uh his character is overcompensating he's he's in the porn industry to hide that you know, like like he's trying to tell everybody. But it's also late seventies. I mean, he's trying to project himself into that time, right. and he did it so well. I think that that role, that that side character, is the one that I I go, holy shit, man! He really fucking killed that yeah, role. And he was, yeah, when he bought that badass. You know, car. Burt Reynolds is Burt Reynolds. I mean, Burt's Burt. You know, Roller Girls. You know, she's hot. Everybody agrees. But I think. I think Philip Seymour is is the one that was the hardest role to fill. Maybe other than than um uh than Dirk Diggler. You mean offer the role first? No, no. Uh, my wife's fucking everyone. Bill uh, Macy. Yeah, Macy and in Hoffman had kind of a a tough know, role to fill. Do you know who was offered the role that Philip Seymour Hoffman took? No. I would Jack say Robin Williams. Jack Black. Oh, he'd kill that. He would fucking kill that. Jack Black, Robin Williams, that kind of that kind of no, Jack goofy. Black, I, I said Robin Williams. No, dude. Jack Black could have killed that role. Dude, tell me Robin Williams wouldn't wouldn't do that role well. I don't know how you're tell putting, me. I don't know how you're putting someone that's twenty years older than someone else in the same category <sighs> as like a boom mic operator in a late seventies. Who has his Except own Robin character Williams. arc? Yeah. Hey, well, Robin, Robin was peaking at the time, but I'm saying you could put Robin Williams in that role and it'd be Robin just as good. Robin Williams was peaking in 1997. I think I think Robin Williams would overtake that entire production. I don't think I don't think Robin Williams would be subtle. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying he's too yeah. big of a name. But yeah, I think was Robin Williams not peaking in 1997, Scott? I mean, no, he was I doing Flubber. Like, no, like Patch Adams. Yeah, so no, he wasn't. If, you, if you're gonna say Flubber, <laughs> he was doing Flubber, dude. Peaking. Jack. He was probably he was probably making Blubber. more money than he ever made before in his life. I'm mean, I'll give you that. That's, I mean, I'm saying like money wise, he wasn't doing yeah. awful. 
I mean, okay, well, I'll tell you what movie came out that same year, because Robin Williams won Best Supporting Actor the same year this movie came out. I know what movie that is. Yeah, you Good do. Will Hunting. Correct. Absolutely. So, Robin Williams, I guess, did okay for himself that year. Right. But at the same time, he was playing, yeah, but, like, like I mean, the uncle character. He was playing, like, the the granddad character. He had, he had some right. serious salt right. and pepper. He yeah. was too old. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, he couldn't play Scotty in Boogie Nights. But... Well, hey, let's look up <clears throat> Hoffman and and, and 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 Williams' age. They're not off that much. Ten years, eight. I mean, we, we, we have no evidence to back stuff. that up, but you know, I mean, it's all speculation. But um, so, I want to touch on one other thing. Sure. Real quick. So, who do you think was Anderson's first choice to play Eddie Adams slash Dirk Diggler? It wasn't the multifaceted Mark Wahlberg? I mean, surprisingly not. Okay. It's got to be Leo. That is correct. It's got to be. I mean, well, it's like, right off the tent. It's Titanic. No, it's I mean, not. That's the reason why Leo didn't play it, because he took Titanic over this role. Well, he was offered it. But guess who he also offered it to? Before Walbert. Uh, okay, so 1990. I mean, according to uh, Charlie, anyone can play this. Toby Maguire. <laughs> no. I think he was eight then. Same age as Leo. God, 97? Yeah, Leo and Toby oh, ran together. God. Don't. Please, God, don't tell me it's John Travolta. No, it's Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, great. Oh, great. Oh, so, after, after we could have we could have got something different. After Joaquin Phoenix turned it down, DiCaprio apparently told Anderson, "What about Wahlberg?" <coughs> and so that apparently is why he went to Wahlberg. And then after he tried out for it, that's how he got it. And then if Wal if Wahlberg did not do Fear prior to this, I'd be like, "Nah, dude." But he was. Fucking amazing in fear. He was. He was great in fear. He was great in fear. So I'm my gonna... first go with Mark was just bulky young kid, but he was scary. He played that role so well. So I'm gonna go through these real, real fast, as fast as I okay. can. Okay. So Burt Reynolds' role, Jack, was offered to Harvey Keitel, Bill Murray. Uh, and Jack Nicholson and Burt Reynolds mm. Jack, I'm um, sorry, Burt Reynolds turned the part down according to the story God, over if, if it was times. Jack and Burt oh, Reynolds, if it was Jack Burt oh Reynolds god, it would have won every it would have won every Oscar if it was Jack Nicholson and then Julianne Moore's role was first offered to Marissa Tomei and she turned it down hmm but we've already seen Oh. Yeah, but I know, I know you love Well, I'm not going to comment on that. I'm not well, you know, I mean, uh, Julianne Moore ended up getting... I just want to see her naked. Uh, but can you imagine what Julianne... Like, this this launched Julianne Moore into stardom. Oh, absolutely. And she is... Amazing. Phenomenal in this film. She is. There's no... There is absolutely no takeaway from her, or Bert, or or Mark. And then... Or, or Hoffman. The role or Thomas Jane. The role of Buck, which is played by Don Cheadle, was first offered to Samuel L. Jackson, and he turned it down. Hmm. He'd and be then, too much for that role. He, okay, he 
Sammy Hall can't play a soft guy. It wouldn't work. So the role of Roller Girl, which obviously by Heather Graham, it was offered to Gwyneth Paltrow, and she turned it down. And it was also... Oh, God. They they also talked to um, Drew Barrymore and Tatum O'Neill, and, and, but they apparently, according to what the stories say, is that Heather Graham came in and roller skates and played the the Nancy Sinatra song and like said, "This is what I want to do. I'm going to keep these on the whole time. This is what I want to do with this role." And she won it over. And then I already said that uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's role as Scotty was first offered to Jack Black, who I don't think Jack Black did anything back in 1997. Oh, so, now you're still doing TV. And yeah. then, and then the. Uh, the great scene that Rylan mentioned, the most intense scene of the entire movie, when they're selling the kilo, the half kilo of coke towards the end of the movie. So that guy, who you guys probably know him better than I do, but it's um, Alfred Molina. It's Alfred Molina. Yeah. Who I don't know him. He's because uh, I don't. I haven't seen. We, him he's Spider-Man too. He's he's uh, and I know Doctor Spidey fan. Yeah, but that that but, role but, is but he awesome. but he's about seventy pounds lighter in that yeah. scene. And yeah, and you have to understand, you have to understand, Rylan, that Mark Wahlberg wasn't in Spider Man Two, so why would Scott give a fuck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but but, but Alfred Mo- that's the, 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 the amount of for real. That's that's PTA, dude. Paul Thomas, the amount of anxiety in that scene, how long it is. The scene, the, the the scene transfer, the the song transfer. Good Lord it's Almighty! Sister Christian to uh, Jesse's girl. Jesse's to girl. Jesse's girl. Da, na, na. Old <laughs> Alfred didn't know either of those songs when the movie was filming, and he had to listen to them on repeat for like three days, so he actually knew what they were because <laughs> he had never heard of either of them. Hmm. But that, but that we role talk was about... first offered to John Turturro, and he turned it down. <gasps> Oh, Totoro, love the man, perfect. Oh my fit God, for that. And role. they would have shared this, and when they would have but, shared the screen years later in Transformers Four. Oh, oh <laughs> you're damn right. For a paycheck well that, like I said, what are they getting paid for for Boogie Nights? The budget's fifteen million. So what's Mark getting paid? A million? Probably not even close. He probably got paid two hundred. 50 maybe 500k for this leading role sounds makes sense literally now now look at the rest of the i'm gonna uh, i named i i wrote down the entire staff or cast i'm sorry it's ridiculous <laughs> burt reynolds don Cheadle, philip seymour hoffman john c Riley, heather graham julianne moore thomas jane mark Wahlberg. i mean dude it's where would people getting paid for 15 fucking million dollars because they weren't who they were mm-hmm. it's it's called being it's called being an up-and-coming director who knows who the who is and you get them like i don't this is top three casting in one movie of all time beat that bold statement agreed bold statement like literally beat that i, I mean the, no, you know I you can throw in the godfathers so you can throw in, you can throw in some other big, big heavy hitters, but man, when it comes to fucking casting, 
this movie is lights the fuck out, and I, I can't speak highly <clears throat> enough of it. 100% agree with you. Is there, is it, uh, Charlie, you haven't talked much. Is there scenes you want to... Want to want to chew on? Are there things you want to? Talk oh well, about? I, I, I was y'all were having so much fun. I I was I just enjoyed watching y'all watching y'all talk. Um, no, um, I, I was just listening to you guys talk about this movie. It it I absorbed it in a completely different way. Um, I mean, but again, I still feel this movie is something to be seen by everyone. I, I feel like anybody who enjoys movies should come across this film at some point in their life, and they should watch it because it is important. Um, but I remember asking earlier who you thought the bad guy was. Um, and I, and I maintain that the bad guy is Burt Reynolds. I mean, Burt Reynolds is the guy that, Absolutely. that went into that kitchen and talked to, to Eddie and got the ball. I mean, yeah, he was showing his dick and jerking off to people, but I mean, he wasn't literally selling his soul just to make a fucking movie who inspired Eddie Adams to do that. Burt Reynolds did. And then. Yeah, he's the spider web. He's he's you know he's the the queen bee of all this this thing. You know, and, and he shows it. He shows his disdain. You know, he shows his discomfort when they go to video versus versus film, or or they go from Dirk to the new guy. Well, then he, he, he well, I mean, he should have just quit. I, I mean, if he was the good guy, he would have just but, quit. But his continuation of it and his like yeah, just, the bad guy. I'm a cog. I'm, I'm a cog in the wheel. Well, that's his. I mean, uh, he can walk. I hear he can fucking walk any fucking time he wants to. Yep. He's not trapped. I mean, yeah, he won't get money to make movies, but he can do. But he can no, do he something else. But he decides to do this. You know his and th- when he does, when he does, uh, just go ahead and fuck her in the ass at the end. It's like he doesn't give a care. He doesn't give a fuck anymore. I didn't think we were going to talk about that, but it's no, and on. well, I mean, that's 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 straight from the movie, guys. No, Sorry, I mean, but you know, that's like the transition from the seventies. It, it gets there. The reason why this movie stands, the, like, there is so much darkness and shittiness in it. There's humor. There's growth. There's like character growth where you're like actually cheering for people, and you're like, oh man, this guy's up on the up and up. And then you see the downfall in the last third. And it's rough, but, man. Like, it's bad. Which is watch. super rough. That scene, but also, there's that. There's that the last with, 10 minutes of the film. Peter Graham and, and Julianne Moore, when they're just like sitting on the bed doing cocaine together. That oh, is it's, like it's, a very, it's so very anxiety inducing. to watch. Because but, they're sitting there. But and I look. Like two people that are just completely lost in their entire lives. And Heather Graham, one of her best lines of the movie is when she turns to Julianne Moore and she's like, will you be my mom? And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, God. Like, I mean, that movie, like, encapsulates, encapsulates? What's the word? Encapsulates. Um, yeah, encapsulates. Yeah. Like, just the absolute best and worst of people and how, I mean... But you still like cheer but, for you, you still cheer for these people for some exactly the character like the character development is the character development is so quick and and streamlined like he's so good at that and at the end you get that little bit of like ten to fifteen minutes of like everyone's doing okay thank God it's like you know if you didn't get that last ten minutes of 
of Cheadle's business doing well. That and, seems and, so good. And, and and Dirk, you know, getting back into the business and, and all the things that are going on, it would have been like almost I don't want to watch this film again type type realm. So but it gives you that last ten to fifteen of like, no, you know, it, it's the early eighties. They're figuring their shit out. I don't know. Yeah. This is fa- they, this is, this they, is fascinating. I don't want to be I don't want to be Debbie Downer on you, Ryland, right now, but they actually like recut that last fifteen minutes about thirty times because in Anderson's original take, everyone either died or had a miserable life, and that's how it was going to. I end. mean, but he, as a but as a but, as a director, you want that, but he, but as a viewer, I was like, God, these people got ran through the dirt. Yeah. Come on now. But in, in in rewatching, if you had to, you couldn't rewatch it. That's the problem. You can't rewatch films that the main characters, even the side ter- characters, are just fucked. You're right. You're at hundred you, percent. You come off of the film going, everything's fucked. Nobody know. makes it, and and I don't want to live. Hundred percent. That's 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 exactly what Paul Thomas Anderson knows to go. You know what? I have a I have a version of it that's fucking really dark and no one wants. That's my vision. But at the same time, with how intru- inch like this this film is so intrusive into people's lives, the but but short lived. It's so good at like dipping and diving. Like it's so good. Like Anderson's so good at that. Just going like you care about this guy, but you've only seen him on camera for 18 minutes yeah i i 100 how how does he do that i, I don't know how he does that that's nobody, called genius nobody ever wants to watch a movie where every single character <coughs> ends in a miserable life you like you you gotta have the feel-good story somewhere and is, is it you know is it eddie adams from torrance going back to the porn industry in the mid 80s is that a good thing but um, no, but you know, I think that he did realize that he has to have a couple people that come out on top or at least come out in a positive light and not just end the movie with everything being negative. Because if you end the movie with everyone being negative, like you said, who wants to watch a movie where everything is just bad? You got to have some kind of happy underlining story at the end of this, like at I, the end of the movie. I mean, I. I thought he ended it absolutely perfectly. Like, I agree. If he if I he agree. would have continued the storyline, and everyone would have got a shit on, it it would not even be close to the same movie it I'm is. Gonna send you the- he spent the he 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 spent the last fifteen minutes going, I'm gonna clean all this shit up, all that dark shit I was, was talking changed. about. Yeah, and it made you go, oh shit, fuck, woo. Ah, uh, because you're on a roller coaster. You're going, oh, whoa, whoa! In the last 15 minutes, he goes, "Okay, you're good. You know, you're 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 good." And that's so key to really good I'm gonna direction. Send you, I'm going to send it, you the, these deleted scenes, and you're going to be like, "Oh, I'm glad they didn't do that." Ah, uh, yeah, it's yeah. That, that's the key. That's the key. You can't do that because people want to watch these films. These are epic films. These are these are things that that carry on. So, I, shit. so I, have, I have I have two quick questions because I want to 
Charlie the soundtrack of this movie because you're because you're a music guy right yeah yeah absolutely so the soundtrack of this movie as they're playing from the start to the end and how they incorporate all the music because I, I love the music in this yeah. movie I feel like they play these great songs throughout the entire movie that just kind of incorporate the year that everything is going on and so I just want to get your thoughts on like the soundtrack because if you if you don't have the Boogie Nights soundtrack get it it is lit up and the first one is from Transformers by the way so go ahead <laughs> uh, first of all I want to say uh, as soon as I get a chance to give my review uh, I'm taking the floor but uh, to answer your question about the music um, I think that it was fantastic. I thought the the placement was was perfect. I thought that um, in the beginning it was nothing but happy, friendly disco. You know, it was you know, dun 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 dun. Everybody's having a good time, right? You know, um, and then and then once you get into you know the Jesse's Girl area, you know, the like the songs kind of take on a different meaning. You know, like it. I mean, not only does it does it show the passage of time. But it shows, you know, that they're they're you know that they're not listening to dance music anymore. Like even like the characters themselves, like they're listening to more rock, poppy, heavy stuff, you know, and and how that you know it, it doesn't translate in the eighties, you know, especially with you know all the coke that's around and everything like that, you know, to where to where coke becomes more of an industry near the end of the film, and then and then those songs become the soundtrack of the cocaine industry. You know, like watch, like look at Blow. You know, like there's tons of old '70s music in there. You know, just yeah. to kind of give that little cherry on top of, of just a just a needle drop of oh yeah, cocaine. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, I, I thought I thought the song choices were fantastic. I thought the placement was fantastic, and I thought um, the the times in which he used them were fantastic. I mean, the the movie. I mean, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's yeah, so good. I mean. It's, uh, I mean, that scene, I know that we touched on it, but that scene at the end when everything kind of comes to the head and the sister Christian and <clears throat> followed up by, uh, Jesse's girl, Jesse's girl, like that is the most nerve wracking scene. Like every time I, I, I still watch it, I, I watched it two nights ago. Yeah. And it's still nerve-wracking to me when I watch that scene, and I just feel like the like the awkwardness and like the kid in the background throwing the firecrackers, like it's that whole scene just makes me nervous still. <laughs> well, I mean, I but, I mean uh, some of the but then I love. Go ahead. I was gonna say I love so my so I'm a huge Beach Boys fan. I love the Beach Boys. I always will. And my favorite Beach Boys song of all time is God Only Knows. And when they play that towards the end of the movie and they start showing, showing all these shots of every single person doing better and they show Buck has his own stereo store and they show everyone like doing better and they're playing God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. I'm like, <laughs> perfect timing for that song as far as like the movie goes. And even though that song probably didn't come out in the in 84, <laughs> 83, 84, I'm pretty sure it didn't. Yeah. Actually, I know it didn't, but uh, 
it was a perfect song to play to just like show everyone's happy now because like Rylan was saying earlier like you wanted to see people like get through it because you want to end a movie on somewhat of a positive note so I feel like the ending of the movie it did a decent job as far as like you weren't completely utterly depressed like you were like alright these people have a chance yeah and some movies that end on a complete downward you're like no <laughs> this sucks interesting interesting um no uh uh any any other points y'all want to hit on? Can we? I, mean, I think we no. We're good. I think we need to rate it. I'm just gonna ask you real quick. Yeah. Who won Best Actor in 1998? 13-ish. I don't know. I was close. No, they had but naked just scenes in the co-ed show. The naked scenes and all the shit in that and the commercials. It was and, not PG-13. Uh, Furhosen. I'm quiet. <laughs> so where are we going from here, fellas? We gotta write the video. We gotta write, I'm sorry, we gotta okay. write the film. Absolutely. Is it a video or is it a film? Where's the history? Or where's it, the future? It's, is it, it in film or is it it's, a it's, it's not quite a video. It's not called a movie. It's not called a film. Where's what do you think? Wow. You're, you're, you're our guest. You're our guest, Scott. I want to hear your Boogie Nights rating. Boogie One Nights to ten. Came out in 1997. Anderson basically tackled a subject that was untouchable at the time. And he was tackling a topic that like no one would even touch he got the most ridiculous cast that like accumulated maybe in the history if anyone wants to argue name me a better cast so i will say 
Boogie Nights is in my top two or three films of all time. I'll give Boogie Nights a 9.8. It is one of my Fuck favorite yeah. movies of all time. I think it is. You can't, you can't, you can't explain, you can't compare it to anything else because nothing compares to it. So yep. I'll, I'm going Boogie Nights heavy, like 9.8. Gorgeous mm. rating. It's all about timing. Like you said, timing. When it came out, blew us out of the water. Have you seen Boogie Nights 75 times? Uh, yes. I okay, have. just making sure. I mean, if <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're giving 9.8 and uh, the other guy gets 8.5, I mean, and you've seen the other one 75 times, I, w- I would hope you would give the other movie the, the same regard. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just joking. But um, you want to go next round? Because I'm going to be talking on mine. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've said a lot. I think it's it, it, it's original. I, I'm such an original guy. Are we you? Can't, we don't get film. We don't get films like this anymore. I am. Damn it. I am an original fucking guy. God damn it. Um, like I made the joke. There's no powder too, is there? <laughs> doesn't need to be there there's no boogie nice too is there, there? there because doesn't need these to be. exactly and that's why these films are made and they have been made in the last 12 fucking 15 years and it and it fucking i can't i can't handle it um 25 actually wow yeah 25 years i i i, I truly i truly believe this is like a a, a 90s gem I mean, it's it's to me. I'm not. I'm gonna give it right at the the cusp of a nine point five, because mm. I don't have tens. So for it to be a nine five to nine nine is like in my little thingy, my little <laughs> video now. So um, it's 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 epic. I think I hate to say that I've seen Mark Wahlberg's best, and there's there's nothing else that he can give me. So he's given me this. And I'm happy for it. And um, I think that the, the supporting cast and the whoever the casting director of this is, I should have wrote it down because holy fucking shit. Um, throw the names out of this film and then give me another. You can't. You can't. It's you can't. The, it's the you probably can't. It's the best. There, there might be somebody. There's, there might be something to argue, but this is my this is my my white horse. This is my like, yep compete with that they're, they're because be they're all ensemble but there won't be a better ensemble with a good movie with the, with the parts they were given Correct. with the amount of depth that every character was given it's it's such a fucking cool film if i made films good god almighty just to be on this set would have been fucking amazing with all these people and all these characters and all these uh it's just it's a 1997 gym Man, I was only like 13, 14 years old when this came out, so it's just it, it holds a special place in my heart. And uh, seeing it for probably the twelfth time this this last few days it's just cemented that it's just it's a nine five. It's 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 in my top tier. There's nine five to ten is is it? So, what do you think, Charles? Okay, um, that's for Ryan. I have <laughs> that's an I love you right there. I I I know I know what's good. Um, I listening to you guys talk for the last hour about this film and um, like just just how great it is and how awesome it is. Um, I don't get that from this film. I get sadness. I get 
you know, the corruption of youth. I get, oh yeah, here we go with the eye rolls. Hey, I, I let you, I let y'all wait, talk wait, for an on. hour so you, about you, the you cast. You get all of the emotions. You and get, you get the entire spectrum of emotions. You get happiness and funny and goofy and 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 I mean, come on, it's but it's but, but where is the positivity based on? It's based on the fact that you get to keep having a good time as long as you fuck people on film. If you stop doing that, the fun well, times are over. Time period no piece too. No one? I mean, I took it from that movie. Nobody gets that from that movie. It's a, it, yeah. Time period nobody, piece, I mean. Nobody leaves watching Boogie Nights and says, you know what I think? If I just keep fucking, I'll just, I'll just have a good life. No one says that. No hey, one says that. fellas, I mean, I love y'all to death, but I wasn't cutting in whenever y'all were talking about how great this fucking film is and how happy everybody ended up at the end. Like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? Like... That's the only place they could go. That's literally the only place. Exactly. And that's happy. The fact that they're trapped. Fucking on camera. The rest of their fucking life. No, no, the, the, no you're right. There's total underlying bullshit in this film like that. Like, like why did, like, why did. It's not the happiest of endings, but it's happy for. Like, why them. did. You, 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 you put yourself in those characters lives and you go man for what they have this is it but i get it no trust me i understand your your point of view but you're not letting me convey it i'm not saying shit i'll copy that no yeah absolutely i think it's it, it's i mean and and and, and the fact that y'all think it's so great paul thomas anderson just groomed y'all to be great porn stars like you, you're still looking at the film like, fucking awesome, dog. But really, he's exploiting you, at the very end of the day, and making you think that the porn industry is awesome, and that these guys are gonna fucking make it. They're not. Did you see that last shot of Julianne Moore, her face? Did you see her bawling her fucking eyes out when she lost custody of her child due to the fact that she was in this industry in the first fucking place? And then where did she go? Right back into Jack's house. And what does Jack have to do? Has to keep motivating her that she's the foxiest bitch in the world. And yeah, she knows she's not, but she knows she has nowhere else to fucking go. Well, that's what makes it beautiful because the, the, the character arc goes up and down and you get to decide where it ends. And then, and then also these other characters, these Bucks, these Jessies, these Roller Girls, they are all in various stages of either the, the, their peaking, either hitting rock bottom, or trying to escape and failing. Like, look at Amber. She's trying to find a man that's not in the porn industry to get her out of the fucking porn industry. You look at Buck. I mean, he's trying, to do, he's trying to do anything to change his fucking look up to avoid being noticed as a porn star. I mean, I mean, Scotty, he's a boom eyed guy for a, for a porn set because he doesn't want to admit to anybody that he's fucking gay. Like, these are all terrible, terrible things that happen in people's lives. And the porn industry, and and the porn industry just feeds into it. Yeah, and that's fucking sad. And, and, and then, and then y'all are like, and then y'all are like, happy ending. I'm like, no. I mean, they're going to end up just fucking on film the rest of their life. And on top of that, Dirk Diggler thinks that he's a big fucking star. 
You know, ju- like like just because it's not a happy ending. It's 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 a mediocre ending that makes you feel happy because you're groomed. You've been shown. You've been shown all these great things. Dude, think about that well, as a you're, filmmaker you're, to do you're, that. You're being oh no, that's why I think it's genius. No, because you're, it's, you're thinking exactly. Oh my god, that that's a reality of a lot of people in the world that think that, and like obviously, if you have a not that life and you're happy, you can watch that from a perspective of being like, man, that's unfortunate. But like, he's he's conveying these people and how they feel, which is a real thing. And there are people that actually are out there that have that in their minds. And it's a brilliant perspective of that. I'm not saying it's like a happy go lucky, like, yeah, man, this is awesome. I'm so happy. I watched that. I'm going to watch that tonight. So I can go to go to bed happy. But what he conveys in this movie is reality. Like there are people that go through that crap on a daily basis, deal with that crap, and I don't know what you were hoping for the ending. Maybe you were hoping for the Burt Reynolds uh, happy ending. You come in, you jerk off, and you get out of my movies. Maybe that's what you wanted, and you didn't leave with that. But I think what he conveyed in that movie is like, man, this is a effed up world, and these people. He conveyed like that entire time period perfectly and I, 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 I rolled with the characters the, through the entire movie and to see them go through no the ending is not what I want for each character no not but, at all. He, but each character is trying their best to make the best out of the shit fucking shit they just went through and they're gonna fail again. E- every one of them though every one of them is doing the best they can for the last 30 minutes of story he gave you Thank God, because if he just dipped it out and, 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 and Cheadle's character didn't get his and, and Riley's character wasn't doing fucking, you know, naked magic, it would just be so depressing. He gave you hope for, for, for don- downtrodden, shitty people. You know, you rise, you rise with them. I mean, everybody in the beginning of the movie, that's the point of the movie. They're all up on the up, and they see the highs of the highs, and then they dip and see the lows of the lows. But if he kept you low and he didn't give you that little, last little rise of, of like, every single storyline that he fucking gave you, other than fucking Todd, who got his fucking guts <laughs> blown out, <laughs> you know, like, everyone that made it out of this storyline is kind of trying to better themselves. And that's the only redeeming quality at the end of that film that made me go... Oh, thank God! It's not. A, it's not. A, you know, it's not a, uh, a requiem for a Oof. dream kind of movie where yeah. I can't watch it again. Watch that twice. You know what I mean? He gave us that little bit of hope that went. Ah, oh, all right. They're all at least. Trying. I mean, you know, I don't know. You know, it's not. It's not allegorical. It's not about. The, the, you know, it's just you, you. You rose to the fame. You saw their shit. You saw them dip. But at the very end, he had to. I mean, God forbid you tell the story of him trying to get his GED and reconnect with his mother. I mean, but that's just me. Um, He actually did in real life, though. What? He actually did in real life. Mark Wahlberg, you're right. What did he do? Mark Wahlberg went back and got his GED in 2014 because he dropped out of high school when he was 
14 years old and since he was raising kids well, he decided that well i've heard i've heard that the early obviously the early production of of the film was mark interacting with the the, the mother actor and that's the same kind of thing mark Wahlberg went through he was a teenager who had he was the the youngest of ninth kid, nine kids so his mom was just didn't give a fuck. So he he related to that, and, and that's kind of I think that's what drove his his drive to uh, to make this a uh, semi artistic, you know, acting. So so in you, Charlie, did you actually did you give a score for um, Boogie Nights yet? No, I was trying to I was trying to get my point across, and y'all kept interrupting me and arguing <laughs> and, and arguing these points. Um, uh, you know, I mean. I'm just saying there's there's more there's different angles to watch this movie from uh, rather than just just how badass it is. Um, and uh, and yeah. So and then I mean, think about the last song, you know, from my perspective, God only knows what I'd be without you. Brilliant. Right. It, it, it reaffirms my statement. You know, so I mean, there's, there's yeah, totally they're, different they're, ways they're you can look at broken people. Right. These are not these are not people that you want to look up to. But there was a glimmer of hope in the last 10 minutes that that P.T. Anderson did. And, and I appreciate him for that, because if he did, that's if why he this song took that out. If he if he took that out, if he took that out and they were all just still on shit Avenue. Yeah, I don't think it would. I don't think it would it would would, uh, you know, hold with me like it does i mean I, I i guess i maintain that the house that they were in when the movie ended that was shit avenue that's yeah. what i'm saying is that you know like like the one that I, like one of the only people that showed up later on in the movie that wasn't part of their little clique he died todd died you know yeah they're, they're still alive but i mean they i mean buck and jesse still need Jack to launder the money that they stole from the donut shop, you know. I mean, they need Jack Brown. Well, it's, it's 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 tragic from beginning to end, completely. But at least he gives a little soft end, yeah, to that 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 no. brutal ending because he could he could have went just brutal on us and just fucked us and you, everybody sucks. No, I'm I'm saying that's what he did. He did do the brutally honest thing. You know, but he did it in such an artful way that he makes you think that it was a happy ending. And you're right. You're right. Because they're not they're not all this isn't you're right. You're, you're you're completely right. You're saying it's 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 a cake ending, but it's really what, not. What you, what you, you watch the whole film, yeah. they're back to their old ways. Yeah. What 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 know, everything's back to what it what was. Jack. That's, but that's what that's the whole point. What, that's the whole point. What Jack did to Eddie is what P.T. Anderson did to his audience. They're watching the exact same formula that they use to get the... I mean, I mean, what do you need to make porn? You need people to make porn. How do you get those people? By giving them cocaine and showing them titties and giving them blowjobs. But, they, but, 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 at the, but at the end of the day, the blowjob is over. The cocaine dissolves. And all of those, all of those dreams... Are gone. Um, you still just have you and you're just your giant dick. Like, I mean, that's all he really has. Anyways, uh, nine point seven. Fantastic film. I loved it. 
Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Um, I mean, but to reaffirm all the things you said with the cast, the cinematography, I love the shot where... Did you really say 9-7? What, did you think that I that I was giving a bad review? No, but but that's so high. I love it. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm asking... Is that your second highest rating of all time? Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, up it's up there with Wonder Woman 84. Second, yeah. but it's it's way no. up there. Um, yeah, I mean... You hate it, but you appreciate it. What, what the hell did I say in my review that made, me th- made you think that I hated this film? Um, I'll hit stop and rewind. Okay, yeah, absolutely. And please be, please be sure and text me. And let me know what part I uh, you thought I hated of this it, film. No, it's it, genius. It's not about hate. It's it, it's just he's no. diving deeper. I know, than, and and then, that's one thing that I'm coming to realize is that I'm I'm a, I'm an extremely shallow person, and Charlie is so so <laughs> deep. And I apologize for all my comments because I'm very on the surface, and Charlie's way deeper. So good night. <laughs> hey, hey. I'm just giving you my thoughts on the film. Um, I love everyone. Absolutely, you know, and I hope you hit play in Rwanda. It's it, it's <laughs> so much better than the other guys that it's not even fair. But I mean, yeah, comparing. Uh, oh my god, I hate. But that's Mark Wahlberg's. Uh, you know, that's his career. He's just <laughs> he's done great films and he's done a lot of shitty films. Yeah. So. You know, uh, but yeah, I mean, a, a fantastic film. I mean, like I said at the very beginning, I think every person who likes movies on their journey should watch this movie before they die. It's that important of a film. And it's because of the tactics he used is that the way he filmed. I mean, I love that scene where they jump into the pool and you got spill the wine by war, you know, just playing. And then it, and and then it, you know, and then it goes underwater (laughs) and you hear that muffled version of it and comes back up, you know, and Reed Rothschild is on his bullshit, you know, just trying to, trying to get info before he tries to one up you. You know, I mean, that's just his Full personality. Foot. Full foot. You know? Yeah, it's it's original, too. I mean, I know it's 97, but it's original. It's an original drama-filled uh, bio, I mean, uh, era pick. You know, it's, I love timepieces. Yeah. I know what blow, blow right after this. Right after this, right after this blow came out with Johnny Depp, and it was the same thing. Great music, a time period piece, drugs, drugs. Because everybody wants to put this in a porn movie, and... I'm like, dude, do you know how much drugs were in this movie? This is a drug movie that has porn <laughs> in it. That's what it is. It's a drug biopic of the late 70s, early 80s with some porn sprinkled in to me. I mean, it, it, not sprinkled in. It's, it's, a, it's a main focal point. But the drugs and the dynamics of the characters is just as important. It's the same thing as Blow to Me. It's that same type of drug you know, a uh, time period piece that's just so well done. So. Right. You know, and, and if you go back and watch the film, I mean, there are little subtle things that just show the sadness. Like, uh, one thing that I took away from this last viewing was, like, the day that um, Julianne Moore's character introduced Eddie to cocaine. I mean, look yeah. at the, whenever whenever she does it, shows him how to do it, and then he starts doing it. Notice Julianne Moore's face. Like when he goes down to do the coke, her face goes from, and then when he comes back up again, yeah. he's, she's like, ah, cocaine, huh? pretty good. And then, mm-hmm. and then he goes back down again for another line. 
She knows she's doing something wrong. She knows that she's ruining this guy's life in this moment. You know, and then look back at the rest at the diner scene right after uh, uh, Roller Girl blows him in the back. They, they go to the diner. You can look at Julianne Moore's face and know that they're doing something wrong, that this guy is a true person who still has a chance. I mean, and then when they got him back to the house, what's the first thing she did? She went to bed. She wasn't going to have a threesome with with Eddie. She, was, she wasn't going to be part of, her, of of his, you know, manipulation at this level. You know, but she also knew that it was going down, whether he liked it or yeah. not. You know, and they, and they had that beautiful scene when they're at the diner, like you said. They just the whole it, there's like a ten second shot of a zoom in of Julianne Moore's face, and she's looking. Mm-hmm. At she could stop this at any she, moment. She could be like, she, knows. she could be like, you know what, she fuck knows. all this. You know, you're, you're too good for this. Yeah. Just walk out the door right now. Like she wants to scream that. But she knows that she's just as trapped as he's going to be, you know? And so, like, like, what's the point in stopping? It's just a matter of time before he gets your ass, you know, because you're because you have no education. You got a big ass dick, you know, like all these things fit. You don't have to do porn. But I mean, if you're if you're an uneducated person who doesn't know better. Yeah, porn's the best. It'll make you a lot of money. But you got to keep fucking. You got to keep fucking, you know? And so it's it's like that's the deal. Like you, like you have to look the other way, you know, to enjoy your happiness, even though knowing that it, in order to provide that happiness is a bunch of fucking on camera and people around the world knowing what you look like naked and what, how, you know, how big your dick is and, and all that kind of stuff. They don't look at that, you know, because they're too busy doing cocaine and having fun and buying cars and shit like that, you know, and it's all because of Jack. Jack's the one that brought them all in, you know, he's the fucking bad guy. And we lost Ryland. I guess. I guess the pumpkin uh, turned into a pumpkin around this time. Oh, there he is. No, I, no, I, I, based on what you've said the last twenty minutes, I will say, you're correct. Uh, Jack is definitely. Yay, my man, my man. I'm getting through with my words, baby. I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I gotta say, I'm looking at this timer right now, fellas. We are on a three-hour and eleven-minute call as of right now. Uh, so that was coming. <laughs> and, uh, I'm a 311 fan. I've seen him in concert 19 times. Uh, my so. sister went to the 311 cruise, I want to say, back in 2016. Uh, That's, I, wow. They just they just booked that last week. It booked out in like 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Wendy uh, Wolf, uh, who did the Step Brothers episode. <laughs> Gigantic 311. No, Rylan's yawning like he wants to get off. You guys are talking about 311 cruises? What the fuck? You guys go on cruises that are just based on the music, just based on the music person you want to go to see? I would go on a Weezer cruise. Take your beard and go to sleep. I mean, I'd I'd go on a Weezer cruise, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but before we book those tickets, guys, we have to end this podcast and i can't think <laughs> and i can't think of any better way than the usual way which is to say for scott Mulder and rylan johnson my name is charlie thompson and we the three of us have collectively been spitting the real shit we'll see you guys next time peace out. Feel the wild.
<laughs> Ron had enough of being broke every day Saying to himself there's gotta be a better way Cause nine to five wasn't worth the headaches So Ron figured out a faster way to make money Before you know it he's a rich man Gold on every finger of his hand A brand new BMW, a condo Ron ended up a John Doe A body was found in the alley but never claimed Full of bullet holes with none to blame Ron became another victim of homicide Because he chose to walk on the wild side Everything going for him A top paying job, a good life, a good wife A baby born the way any day A gentleman attitude is all he displayed Cal was the wife he loved and adored Her family and friends treated him like an ambassador One night on the other side of town A police dispatcher picked up a weird sound Charles on the car phone asking for help Claiming a burglar shot his wife and himself His pregnant wife lay slumped over Her dreams corrupted, a young life over Extensive searches throughout the projects Put a lot of people through misery and wreck Everyone a suspect till someone was found Interrogated cause the skin was brown Then there was Bennett, guilty until proven so But soon as the case started moving slow What do you know? Sure as the seagull gets webbed toed Charles was the culprit The whole plot was an insurance scam Charles in his